0: Hello, welcome to episode 122 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. Hope you've all enjoyed your Spotify-wrapped podcast this week, been seeing quite a lot of us on there. That's really, really nice of you. Thank you for listening to us on the most evil of platforms. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we were just discussing that, Renfrew, weren't we, before we started recording? We anyway, were, yeah. enough. Of, mm. we, we won't get too much into that. I'm Stephen Hill. He's Renfrey Dedman. Hello. Uh, hello. Renfri's informed me before we start. Get a pillow, guys. Um, get yourself comfy. renfrey has got 10 pages of notes mm-hmm. this week, haven't you? Mm,
1: yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, goodness gracious me. I did forget how much of an utter ball like this albums of the year is i can't believe we did two of these last year albums of the yeah. decade as well god the stress we did. the
0: stress well, it's only a stress if you let it be a stress oh i That's let what i hard. let
1: everything be a stress in my life right. well, i, I am, think
0: there's a lesson to be learned here
1: i'm <laughs> mr stressicles it's because I,
0: I i spoke to you on sunday and i went i've only decided the top two places i know ridiculous and, and i've even today i need There were three places still today where I was like, yeah, that's probably just about, In fact, I changed it about
1: three minutes before you called. (laughs) Um, Okay. As a change of tack, I've been thinking about this for months (laughs) and and I'm just, Oh, it's been quite a painful experience. Um, It's painful every year, but um, I've said it a lot this year, but I think this year has been a really gold standard year for music. Um, been pretty crappy for everything else, but as is often the way in these sorts of times, uh, art has pulled through, and there has been some brilliant stuff. Yeah, it's
0: day. it's been excellent. So, in case you didn't know, cause I didn't say we're not actually reviewing any albums this week, which means <laughs> we won't be reviewing the fucking terrible new Smashing Pumpkins record. I Don't know if you got a chance oh, to listen to that. I've it's listened bad, isn't it?
1: once some? Yeah, listen.
0: That's just not. So that's the review of the Smashing Pumpkins album. (laughs) Um, We will be counting down numbers 20 to 11 on our individual top 20 albums of the year. One that Renfrey has poured over. It's really my albums of the day, really. (laughs) Because I just think I like to sort of vibe it rather than um, be too kind of. It's how I feel today. Because I think if you do, let you know, you get like Renfrey, get really stressed out anyway and this um, is what
1: we build up to the to the end of every single year (laughs) uh but it's not
0: worth getting really stressed out i mean you know like it's it's the feeling that you go like come the end of the year as i sit here today we'll talk about this i'm going to talk about signature brew hey signature brew guys you're the best so thanks for the guys um at signature brew for their continued support and loving of the lovingness of the podcast yeah, we 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 admitted that we love them the other day just sort of waiting for them to say it back now it's kind of yeah. all getting a bit awkward it's um very awkward.
1: go constantly <laughs> go looking over, in my dms unbelievable
0: Nothing. go over to signaturebrew.co.uk to have a look at their website where you can find the fruits of their labor
1: hello see what you ah,
0: get yeah. it because they've been brewing not just fruity beers, lots of different types of beers, but they've been brewing many beers uh, in relation to the music industry, particularly in East London since 2011. You may know them from their collaborations and their beers that they brewed with the likes of The Darkness, which is bloody lovely. I love, really like that. I'm going to need some more of them, chaps. Mastodon, right. Idols, Slave, Sports Team, Mogwai, Frank Turner, Shikari, Jamie Lenman, Many, many more. They are the the creators of the pub in a box. Mm. And if you're in tier three or tier two, and you're still feeling kind of weird about going into, we actually were going to go to Cornwall, me and my girlfriend, next week, and we're not now because it's tier one, and we basically just don't want to bother them.
1: having a nice
0: time in because people have said like, don't fuck. Just because we're in tier one, don't fucking. We've had this book for like six months, Mm. and we've just cancelled it. They don't want to So I'm in. No, but I think that's nice of us, considering, you know, we've booked a hotel in Cornwall, not knowing it was going to be in Tier 1, it's on the kind of awesome. hope that we could go away.
1: Yeah. And we can't. Don't, don't Got- spread it to us Cornish people. Us Cornish people, no. we're very weak. What part of yeah. Cornwall were you going to go to? No offence to Cornish don't people. Don't, don't know. know? Come on. I don't know. Got finish. I, can't remember. I can't remember. It doesn't matter
0: now, we're not going. So what's doesn't the point of even thinking matter. about it? Um, if anyone anyway, would yes. like to
1: sponsor us, they're uh, more than welcome. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I will read up on you, Cornwall, if you do. But um, we don't need a sponsor. We've got we've got a very good spot. The oh, Riot, yeah. Riot Act. That's in small capitals, in the checkout, at the signaturebrew.co.uk, you can get 10% off of their beers, which yeah. I can confirm having tried literally every single one of them now.
1: Okay, very nice. They're really
0: nice. I think I've tried if Oh, no, Stylus is the one that, because we haven't had any Stylus sent to us. But apart from that, I've tried them all. I like them all. Lovely stuff. And I'm quite a finickety cunt, aren't I? Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as I hear the term finickety cunt, I think, oh, Stephen Hill. Yeah. So, So, what can you say? (laughs) What a way
0: to end the year. Must be good. Uh, Anyway, uh, so there you go. Cheers to those guys at Signature Brew. Um, Go over to our Patreon page as well. Patreon.com forward slash Right Act Podcast. This week, a double went up on our Patreon page. We gave one part away for free. System of a Down's self-titled 1998 debut album went up for everybody, all y'all fleet freeloaders, but also part two on the follow-up record, the mammoth commercial behemoth that was Toxicity. That also went up. So if you enjoyed part one, which is free for you to listen to and you feel like getting involved in part two that's five pound a month and you get a couple of them we can now reveal i believe yeah that the next classic album that we're going to be doing in a couple of weeks will be another big band from the 90s and another double and another one and two first album and second album <laughs> renfrey it's your pick yes. You do the honors let people know what we're doing
1: i am going to go for the self-titled 1995 album foo fighters by Foo Fighters and its glorious follow-up, *The Color and the Shape*. Mm.
0: Again, uh, I think I said this when we did *System of a Down*. I've not had a chance to say much nice things about *System of a Down*. I get to say nice things about the Foo Fighters as well. It'll so, be, it'll be you know, really I'm,
1: nice to hear you say I'm, nice things about Foo Fighters because I'm less I, excited about that. To be honest, <laughs> but I'm um I forgive a lot of latter-day Foo Fighters stuff. For lots of reasons, frankly. Um, you are nowhere near as forgiving as I am with the Latter-day stuff. But when no. we're talking about these two albums and these two albums alone, I don't think you're going to have any problem being very, very, very complimentary, are you, really?
0: No, That's not basic. at all. Not at all. And if £5 a month seems like quite the stretch for you, you can give us any amount of money if you want and suggest a rioter's review. review, um, which means you just suggest any any album that you want and we will hopefully one day get round to doing it. There are uh, over a million albums on that list currently <laughs> at the moment, so we're struggling a bit. But we just put one up talking about ProBot, more Dave Grohl. A mm.
1: mm-hmm.
0: lot of Dave Grohl this month since it's Christmas. We don't do uh, Dave
1: Grohl very much, so I figured let's, do just, Dave let's just have a Dave so Grohl bonanza. So, mm. yeah. So that's, that's stuff that's as a, well there's a new FIFA Fighters record coming out in February as well, so it's partly because of that as well. But yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's a part of
0: the reason as well. <laughs> um, and also, we had a special go up um, this week. It's been a busy week. Mm. Me talking to Greg Pachata and Mats Cavalera from mm. Killer Be Killed. Great which chat. Which was a l- lovely. Yeah, um, to, really. Two of my, fa- my favourite guys, really.
1: Yeah, really enjoyed listening back to that and really interesting to hear how they're um, taking you know killer be killed is very much seen as a band it's not you know greg said quite clearly that he didn't like it when it was referred to as a project and like what they're hoping to do in the future and yeah i mean that's awesome to hear that's awesome because Mm. i think killer be killed i'd choose killer be killed over a lot of other bands of their ilk um these days so i'm very happy to have more from them even if it's that album yeah great record great really
0: really good um okay so that's all the Set so the hard sell out the way yep. let's get down to it 2020 we're going to start by reviewing our favorite live shows of the year <laughs> <laughs> and we saw monster magnet in january the end um i think i saw 20 i think
1: i saw 20 shows this year yeah which... i know you
0: boast, you've both been boasting about that all
1: right, all right, all right. <laughs> which you know is not bad going considering really mm. this year has been what two and a half months
0: I'm trying to think who I can't even remember who I saw now. I saw the last gig I saw was Palm Reader and Employed to Serve, the last gig that I was at. That was the day before my birthday on the 12th of March, mental. Oh, yeah. Uh, I saw f- um, Monster Magnet, as mentioned, and I saw Trailer Dead, although I would have go home early from that because I was <laughs> yeah. really tired and a bit fr- weird- weirded out by uh conrad from train of the dead when we interviewed him uh and uh, although very good band um and i saw five finger death punch at wembley you saw slipknot and behemoth as well and i saw slipknot and behemoth as well oh yeah that's a i can't believe i forgot that one
1: what a weird one to forget it was very very early in the year that was very very Mm. early in the year uh yeah looking at my concert archives hello um there's around 20 or so i'm not going to name them all but um i went to some good gigs but obviously yeah it's not much point talking about it
0: Yeah, so instead of that, we thought we'd put in a different sort of category. I mean, we'll talk about the best EP of the year at the moment, but I thought I'd chuck in, since we can't really do best live show or best festival set or anything, best song of the year. I mean, I said to you, like, pick a song that you've really loved from the year, maybe a few honourable mentions, Um, particularly, I mean, how I've approached this, and I hope you have too, um, not that you've got a great track record for picking sort of singles or anything, but, I mean, I was thinking more of songs that... Exist brilliantly on their own, mm. uh, and a lot. And you know, I'd say, well, all none of these appear from any bands that are going to be in my top 20 albums of the
1: year as well. So, uh, free got any good songs? I feel like I need to um justify this ever so slightly just by saying it's not always the case that your favorite song of the year appears on one of your favorite albums of the year as well. Um, I would say for 2020, I think it most certainly is the case. And because of your stipulation about not including songs that could appear in this top 20, realistically, I think this is probably like my eighth favourite song of the year or something like that. Oh, okay. Go on then. But um, I talked about it a lot of the time. Hearing Biffy Clyro get all old school Biffy Clyro on my ass for cop syrup was just such an elegiac moment for me this yeah. year
0: I got I got cop syrup as well in oh, my list of stuff
1: I was actually quite sad to not be able to conclude uh, to include the record as a whole in the top 20 because I think it's a hell of a record and I've listened to mm. it loads this year um, it seems to have got a lot of people into Biffy which is really really good to see uh, I was having a look at Merlin's top um, played artist of the year for Spotify he's just number two spoiler
0: alert I think Biffy Clyro might be well it it might be number one on Merlin's favorite Arm of the year. He said that to me a couple of times. There's that and something else that he said to me that he is like, it's one or the other. So...
1: Are we allowed to say that? Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's his personal <laughs> thing. It's not going to be a metal It won't hammer, be a metal you know, that, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um but um i'm a massive fan of that band i've got a lot of history with that band and just hearing them go back to um it seems so basic every time i say out loud but just going back to screaming it just Mm -hmm. sounded great and and on such a brilliant song as well such a multifaceted um multi-layered brilliant epic song um that has such an unusual structure and the fact that they're putting that kind of weirdness in front of casual music fans it's just one of the biggest things to be celebrated in modern music today i think i just i fucking mm. love that song i just adore
0: yeah. it it's fucking excellent any other shouts or was that your main one
1: i thought i i mean i thought i was only supposed to choose one so um I've okay got that's one.
0: fair enough i thought you might just do a few anyway well okay so uh, there will be many spread throughout
1: my list i will definitely mm. asterisk when i'm yeah like, yeah this sure. is one of my songs okay. of the year so yeah um well i'm gonna
0: pick uh there's a couple of things that i was like i'm quite surprised i've ended up listening to that quite a lot and it stayed with me even though i wasn't i mean i disagree by poppy don't like the album don't really listen to the album but she brought out a cover of that tattoo song and it made me go oh i love that song that um all the things she said by tattoos a great song wanted to hear her cover and then it went into i disagree and i was like actually this is just a really great fucking banger it's a proper great like club floor filler so i disagree by poppy i've totally done a 180 on that i think that's actually a wicked song um if
1: if people go back to our review was it january i think it it was was yeah very very early same week as trail of dead if i recall so i think that was Mm -hmm. like the 17th of january or something like that but um yeah you really have done a 180 on that because you did not enjoy that record at all I don't think
0: I, I mean, when I've gone back to listen to the whole album, I am like, yeah, this is I'm quite, the, the album annoys me. But that song is really good. <laughs> Ditto um, Suicide Machines by King810. We battered the album. Oh. I think there's three songs on that King810 album that are great. I mean, they're legit fucking great. So Suicide Machines, massive banger. Um, not really much of a surprise. It's the only morsel of Gojira we've got, but Another World by Gojira, I think is fucking excellent. Mm-hmm. Like really, really brilliant. Um, Black Mirror episode by Open Mike Eagle. The second, I know people have gone mad for that Open Mike Eagle album. I think the second half of it is really good. And the song just before it, the name of it escapes me now, the, the, the world, the world, world opening up one. Anyway, uh, you can find it on Spotify, but um, Black Mirror episode is again, such a banger that just works on its own away from the album. And I think, you know, it really sets off the second half of that record, which is great. Cyanide by Creeper. Creeper that just didn't quite make it into the albums of the year for me. I think the second half of that record, Mm. uh, a few months down the line, the second half of that record isn't quite strong enough for me, but I think the first half of the record, there's a few that I could have picked, but Cyanide is an an absolutely brilliant song, like really, really great. And the other one is Exile by Taylor Swift and Bon Iver,
1: mm, nice. which I
0: think is, I mean, again, Taylor Swift folklore was kind of crept stealth-like forward and cre- creeping up and creeping up and creeping up past things, which we were far more positive about in our reviews as, as the years went on. And it wasn't, it's not quite, consistent enough for me to put it in the top 20 i don't think but that run up to i mean the first three songs are brilliant and then exile with boniver that kind of that, that duet that they do the swell by the end absolutely amazing but the best song of the year and this i think probably is the best song my well my favorite song of the year from a record that we were not positive about at all and i've not even bothered listening to it but I said it at the time, If You're Too Shy, Let Me Know by the 1975 is a fucking all-time rager. It is so great. It is so, so, so great, that song. Just as a pure three-and-a-half, four-minute piece of electro-pop shimmering brilliance. I think it's that's amazing. If, if the 1975 had written 10 of them, they'd be in the top two or three for the album of the year uh, as it is, because that is literally the only song on that entire record worth your time at all. They, They didn't even come vaguely close to being in the top. Like I've made a top 40 and they weren't even considered. Like if I'd done a top 50 wouldn't have been got close to the top 50. That song on its own is amazing. I absolutely love it. So that I genuinely think that is the best song of the year. Um, feel free to slag me off Uh, for liking that
1: i won't slag you off for it i i i um i I think there are other songs on i I don't love that record at all um but i do think there are other songs on it that are worthwhile there's that um song with phoebe bridges which i think is well worth well worth your time as well and there are a couple of songs that are very very good but yeah very kind of all over the place a bit ammo-y isn't it you know just yeah. kind of like this doesn't feel focused in any particular direction whatsoever and it feels like a lot of ideas have been thrown at a wall and just praying mm. that a dozen of them stick um mm. and it might, and that- might not even be a dozen to be honest so yeah.
0: o- only what only one of them does really. <laughs> uh anyway um best ep of the year Remfrey. i mean i'm gonna do like holy fawn the black limbs was a brilliant. What is it? Three Three, tracks? It's only three tracks. It's fucking great though. Jamie Lemmon's King of Clubs, which is shout out. Some amazing stuff on there. Jamie, consistent as hell. Brilliant always. The really Wake of a Nation by Zelenada is probably the exceptional artistic high point in an EP form this year although i haven't picked it as my favorite ep of the year but i do think that is just an absolutely staggeringly brilliant ep uh any shouts for you before you reveal your favorite one of the year
1: um i'm gonna throw in uh my winner last year for ep of the year a williams and mono with exit in darkness only two mm-hmm. songs but two fucking amazing yeah, good. songs um i fully back you on jamie lemon and zeal and arda i I, th- I think i'd probably agree with you as well that zeal and arda of the Nation may well be the best quote-unquote EP of the year. Uh, although I think we've both gone for the same choice in terms of EP mm-hmm. of the year. I also want to give a shout-out to Never by Azu. I thought that was a really, really cool EP. Yeah, I really like that, yeah. um, And yes, the, the Holy Fawn EP was absolutely astonishing. Um, fingers mm. crossed we should be getting a new album by them next year. So, um, yes. Uh, we've agreed
0: on the f- the best, our <coughs> favourite EP of the year is the same thing. I think We've so. gone for drugs by sugar horse both of us i believe yeah
1: i mean at the end of the day i had to go for drugs by sugar horse because for so long i've been working on this list for like three months um, and right at the beginning of this process of like eliminating records drugs was on my albums of the year list and i kind of decided in the end I, i mean in a way it was partly to make things easier for myself that I took it out because I was like, well, it's only five songs and it's 29 minutes and 48 seconds. Um, If it had made it into my albums of the year, it would have been the shortest one by good six or seven minutes. Um, But in the end, I was satisfied with the decision because I reckon as brilliant as this is and as diverse as it is. And as I mean, at one moment it's recalling like really heavy thunderous, cardiacsy kind of sludge, and the next, it sounds like ocean size. I mean, it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, but I think we're going to be hearing much, much better things to come from Sugar Horse in the next few years. Uh, we arguably,
0: you know, we we arguably already have in mm. you know <laughs> because they released the the single that they released that mm. they very kindly premiered the great shame that they very kindly premiered uh, with us is just a fucking amazing song and it takes everything that they've done previously and just twists it into nastier yet more melodious directions so i think there's loads more to come from that band but yeah i was absolutely blown away by that i wouldn't have let you have it in your top 20 albums of the year because it's an ep yeah and i would have probably kicked off at that but yeah if i was putting it into if we we're doing top records of the year then drugs gets in probably gets in my top 10 i think i, I love it that much It's brilliant, I think. Um, It is absolutely a bit of me.
1: mm, Yeah. Oh, damn. Where would I have put it? It would have been fucking high. Would it have been top ten? Maybe not quite, but it would have been scraping top ten, I think. It's a fucking amazing EP. If you've not heard it, you have to check Drugs Out by Sugar Horse. Mm. Absolutely. Really,
0: really inventive use Mm. of just dark music. So, uh, well done, guys. Well done. Can we have a bloody full length now. Uh that would be nice, wouldn't it? So anyway, I believe there you go. It is
1: being worked on as we speak.
0: Good to hear. Um so we're going to do our top 20 albums now. We in a year like this have to mention a bunch of other albums. Um I'm gonna, I'm going to get mine out of the way very because I'm not going to say anything about these records. I basically made a top 40 and these are in no particular order, but these are the 20 albums outside of my top 20 that were swirling around. I made myself limit it to 40 um so just outside the top 40 would be creeper sex death and infinite void folklore by taylor swift transitional forms by sharp tooth common sense holiday by haggard cat stray by bambara Flowers of Evil by Olva, Habits by Elephant Tree. I Let It In And It Took Everything by Loathe. Song for Our Daughter by Laura Marling. Gold Record by Bill Callahan, Atlas Vending by Metz. Celebration of Endings by Biffy Clyro. Enter the Mirror by Maserati. We Are Chaos by Marilyn Manson. The Great Dismal by Nothing. Shiver by John Z, Royal Swan by Foxjaw. Splinters from an Ever-Changing Face by End. Point Fingers by the Guru Guru. And Trivium, What the Dead Men Say. That is... 40 to 21 in no particular order
1: god damn it there are some albums in there that i realize i have missed <laughs> so there we go um this year is such a crazy year um yeah again in no particular order i'm gonna say straight songs of sorrow by mark lanagan uh didn't quite make it for me the deadbeat bang of mm. heartbreak city possibly the best album title of the year by beach slang As that came
0: out so early right that i put this load of songs together the other day and then i was like there must be something else i'm missing and there is i mean i don't love that record but there are a few songs on that record which are fucking brilliant yeah absolutely brilliant yeah very good record
1: i almost missed it off my list entirely because it came out so early january that was january as well wasn't it It was like the first week
0: we reviewed stuff i think
1: yeah uh collapse by the hirsch effect Mm -hmm. um a celebration of endings by biffy Clyro. sex death and violence by creeper gigaton by my favorite band ever pearl jam um brilliant pearl jam record and like really 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 good um I just, there's just so much good stuff out this year. Uh, Ghost 5 together and 6 Locusts by Nine Inch Nails. This is a bit of me. Um, Two and a half hours of instrumental warbling from Trent Reznor. Um, But I fucking loved it. I didn't have many expectations for it because the Ghosts project are cool, but I don't love them, but it way exceeded them. And I thought it was wonderful. Sleeper Vessels by Four Limbs, despite being the future of metal. Uh, It's still a little bit too crazy for me um, (laughs) to go back to again and again and again. Speaking of crazy, in Kinsey" by Aranzi Pazuzu. Oh my god, I was desperate to get that record in because it really deserves a place. Um, but it's just been one of those years. Um, "Common Sense Holiday" by Haggard Cat, the best Haggard Cat record. Absolutely brilliant. John Z. Shiver, easily. yeah, easily. Mm-hmm. Shiver by John Z. Uh, brilliant debut. So well, second solo album from him, which is completely different from the first one. Ultra Mono by Idols, which I really liked. I think I liked it a lot more than you did, but just not quite in there. Um, I'm going to say this one now. Um, As much uh, as I have made shit tons of progress in my tastes when it comes to hip hop and stuff like that, um, I can have a massive amount of appreciation for a lot of these albums now. But just because of my listening habits, I don't tend to go back to hip hop very often. I can look at a record like RTJ4, or Visions of Bodies Being Burned by clipping and go, those are brilliant records. But I'm not gonna listen to them all those all, all that much personally. So those two are there as well. Big Sleeper Brian Technicolor, Zero Zero, Zero by Mogwai, Compromat by I Like Trains. I could go on, but I feel like that's probably a good place to pause it.
0: That's fair enough. Yeah. Um, you've mentioned some very good records there, Renfrey. Ah. Um so who do you want to have us kick off then do you want to i don't know who did it first last year was it me or you i have no idea can't really remember i think it was me because my number two no it was you because my number two was your number one and we took it we spoke about it at the same time i think
1: do you want to go first let's just remember
0: so i'll go first yeah fair enough uh i will go first all right coming in number 20 again um There have been years in the past where number 20 is just a kind of arbitrary thing where you go, I might just stick something on the end of this to either big up a little band or to, you know, show how diverse my music taste is. And there was a little part of me that was like, oh, I might put Taylor Swift in at 20 just to sort of, you know, go, you know, so I can talk about the the big Taylor Swift album or I might put that Manson album in because it's the best Manson album for ages or whatever. But at the end, that would have felt very, very unfair to have done that on a year like this. And having weighed up quite a lot of big artists that I nearly put at number 20, I ended up just going, well, actually, the best album of these ones that I'm kind of considering is from the smallest band. And that band is Oms and their album Close. Nice. Now, I... I've seen Oms a bunch of times before. I think I said in our review, I've seen them a bunch of times and I've always thought they were great live. I've always quite enjoyed them on record. I don't listen to them loads and loads and loads and loads. So Mm. I was, you know, this was not one of my most anticipated records of the year Mm. coming into the start of the year. I was interested to hear it because I think they're a good band, but I probably didn't really think anything more than that if I'm being completely honest. I just thought this is a, you know, a, a good sort of stonery a, pro, a proggy stonery band like they're quite good it's not really the sort of thing that i am known for really loving or that i spend a lot of time listening to um which is why this is such a a surprise really i mean i've I, i've been listening back to a lot of the albums from uh this year and to be fair i've i've listened to this record quite you know semi- regularity I would say you know I'll go a couple of weeks I listen to it and then I'll go I should you know there's a there's a couple of fucking absolutely great songs on that album's album that I I, you know I desperately want to listen to and um, I I think this is easily comfortably the the most impressive record that this band have done and it's that thing that we talk about a lot in that it's it's essentially a metal band i guess or you know a hard rock band a heavy band being unpredictable and taking risks and developing and evolving and changing and doing something which i don't i don't think you ever fully know what's about to happen on this record and i find that really exciting it feels very very fly by the seat of your pants i think having listened to it for the last few months, you know, there's obviously bits of Black Sabbath and Stoner in it. But I don't really know what kind of band Oms are at this point. Like, mm. are they a punk band? Are they a stoner band? Are they a rock band? Are they a punk band? Mm. I mean, there's bits of, there's bits of like Britpop or British kind of mod music. There's bits that remind me of the jam and stuff like that on this record, as well as Paul's voice sounding like Ozzy Osbourne. There's bits of kind of, you know, the who and and sort of classic British old school songwriting, you know, the, the 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 British blues revival. Like, it's got that feel about it. And I just love, I mean, a song like Asylum, which is less than two minutes long. And it, it's it got the same thing that every time I talk about stage four or when I talk about Touche and More in general, really, Touche and More do so much musically in such a short, brief passage of time. They make you feel like you've been listening to a song for four minutes but actually it's only been 90 seconds yeah. and that's a real skill. To, and And I don't mean like, Oh, they just drag on and it, it you know, it goes, Oh God, this is really dragging on. It's boring. I mean, they fit so many mood swings and they fit so many kind of dynamic twists and turns within the space of nothing at all. And the fact that they can do a song like asylum, which feels absolutely perfectly composed as a song. And then you've got, a song like Revenge on it, which is nine minutes long and does the opposite where uh, both those songs feel exactly the same length to me. Yeah. Because they're just so engaging and they just, they just take you into Om's little world. And I think this is the most emotionally involved and involving record that, that Om's have ever done. I think it's the most musically dexterous record they've ever done. I I think it's just the best record they've done. And if they carry on like this i mean they could they could be one of the best bands in the country i think this is for kind of british rock and british metal this year there's not really a lot else that i've got i mean this has been a good year for kind of british music when you think of sugar horse and i mentioned fox jaw and we've had a great svalbard album we've had a great palm reader album we've had you know um really good records from british bands uh this is as as good as most of them i would say in terms of a step up it is fucking great fucking great
1: i completely agree with that thing that you're saying about how the songs put so much into so little i mean this record is a little over half an hour and yet Mm. weirdly it feels twice as long but just like you say not because it's boring it's because it's fitting so many ideas in such a little amount of time it feels like an epic prog record, the kind of thing that Opeth would do or Anathema or something like that, and yet it does it in half an hour. It's a pretty amazing feat, and as you say, that is a very uh, specific set of skills, as Liam Neeson might say. Yeah. Um, I personally prefer their debut album, *The Fall*, which is Oms um, at that more expansive kind of. I think one of the songs on that album is. 18 minutes long or something which is two thirds Mm. of the length of this entire album and they've got a really cool kind of tarot card theme running through that record which I think is awesome but Close is a brilliant follow up precisely because it sounds completely different to the full completely different they've gone in completely different directions and shown that they can do so much more than what they've done on their first record and their first few EPs. Om's are a brilliant band and deserve all the love and a praise and attention that we've given them and more probably.
0: Yeah, really, really wicked record. I mean, if you've got any interest at all in, I mean, people kind of are aware. I would have thought if you've listened to the show a lot that we're not, you know, we are not the, the guys to talk to about Doom or Stoner Rock or any of those things. And to get a band like Oms in here who kind of are that. But I think there are a lot more than that. Like this to me is why, you know, if if I'm going to listen to one of these albums, it's going to be something like a band like this, because I just think there's so much more going on to kind of entice me as a listener. So if you're interested in that stuff and you've not heard it, uh, you really, really should go and listen to it. Totally. That's really great. Yeah. So there you go. Oms Close is my number 20.
1: Very nice. Um, Okay, I have to give uh, Andy from Palm Reader a shout out on this recommendation because after the recording of our Big Fat Alternative Quiz 2 around this time last year, I'd say, uh, he came back to mine and we went down a YouTube rabbit hole as one is wont to do at 1am when you're pissed. Um, And he asked me if I'd ever heard of this band Bambara and it was a firm no from me. And so he showed me the video for the song Serafina, which is taken from this album. And I instantly knew that this was something special, a fascinating concoction of southern gothic post-punk blues. Uh, The music just hit me, uh, but not initially with as much impact as the lyrics, which flashed up in a bold red typeface over the images of the video and spun... A rather touching yarn about two arsonists who fall in love and go on an arson spree before making love on a burning blanket. This is the world that we're operating in here. It felt like David Cronenberg's 1996 film Crash, but instead of crashing cars providing erotic thrills, it was burning buildings, you know. It's bonkers. It's so dark. They create a really vivid dark film noir world that lives and breathes through the timber of the music itself and the beautifully poetic magic realist narrative prose of reed batter Uh, i'm gonna say he has the narrative drive of the Holdsteadies, craig finn but with a far darker more lynchian edge um he doesn't tell tales of losers but rather of rebellious cretins often without a cause you know there's ethereal female vocals which are used sparingly throughout the album which float in with a siren-like quality and are laced with equal amounts of sex and danger as if a femme fatale has just entered stage left and those dynamics are reversed when the same female voice coos come on baby let's have some fun not realizing that the man she's enticing into bed is in fact death um The twangy Eddie Dwayne-type guitar recalls 60s spy movies, whilst the pulsating rhythmic bass lines recall the danger around every corner on the darkened streets of a 30s film noir. But when Bambara explode, they explode in a combustion of noise and spittle that betrays their roots as a noise rock band. But it's always used sparingly and always to great effect. Um, Could not talk about this album without quoting some of the lyrics, as I want to do. Um, Mm -hmm. In Heat Lightning, Death rides at night in a copper pinto, candy in the glove box where a revolver would go. His bones are trapped in greasy fat and he's shaking as he laughs at jokes about the weather and news from the fire at the mill, letting parched mosquitoes drink their fill between his knuckles on the wheel while he laughs like baby pigs squeal. It's so poetic and it tells such a brilliant story. Or that seduction scene in Death Croon's. Death orders a drink, something pink with cherries and a sugar rim, he says, and makes sure it's sweet. He grabs his wallet from his shirt pocket and two gold teeth clink in his empty glass. He rattles them and laughs. An older woman in a stained sundress sits down right next to Death and says, you've got some fucked up eyes, but they seem wild. Death takes off his glasses and smiles as she flashes a big bag of blow, saying tonight's so slow, wish this place would explode. I mean, it's so vivid. It feels like you're there. It's so poetic and it's so well told. Those Nick Caveisms are there, not just in the music, but in the lyrics as well. And Stray sounds contemporary yet classic at the same time. It's thunderingly loud and dark and poetic and sexy and dangerous all at the same time. It's an album that I will be hearing cool new lines and phrases in for years to come. And an album that has pushed me to explore post-punk with a lot more fever than I have this year than any other year so yeah my number 20 is stray by bambara
0: it's a great record it was there's a, there's you know i've talked a lot about how this sound coming back has been a real joy for me and we've yeah. already mentioned sugar horse i think are a band who lean on that kind of thing a little bit although in a very very different way um i mentioned this in my kind of my top 40 I mean this was one that was in my 20 for a while uh there are other things that are a bit like it that have kind of usurped it as the year has progressed hence why it didn't quite get into the top 20 but I agree I think this is just a badass record and you know you being a massive Nick K fan I can absolutely see you know why you would want to pick this record it's really really fucking really really fucking great um good good pick renfrey good pick um all right well you didn't pick this even though you wanted to pick it um but i have my number 19 is the mental Mesterin kinsey by aranzi pazuzu a record which i have to be perfectly honest with you i have probably only listened to three or four times (laughs) since we reviewed it back in what june time yeah
1: june july it it does feel like it does feel like an undertaking doesn't it i mean all aranzi bazuzu's record do records do but it is one of those ones where you're like i need to save this for special occasions i think yeah
0: yeah so it came on the 17th of april that's when it is it's been out for you know a good eight months now and it's almost impossible for me to really sit here now in a in as brief i mean I found it difficult you know with two weeks of listening to it to describe it when we reviewed it at this point i can't say I'm any closer to really feeling any more comfortable around <laughs> it, and I mean that as an absolute as an as an that you know that is that is not an insult at all I mean that with all the respect in the world i I love the fact that this album can take you into places that you really don't want to go. And no matter how steely and no, and no matter how much you steal yourself to go to those places, mm-hmm. it, it feels like such a dank, dark, weird, disgusting, perverse place to be existing. But yeah, at the same time, there's something really, I mean, at this point, it's going to sound weird to say it, but there's something almost almost catchy about this record it's so kind of arcane and it's you know that 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 kind of spirit of industrial music and post-punk and psychedelic music which just allows you to which just envelops you
1: i think it's hypnotic isn't it
0: it's hypnotic yeah catchy is not the right word hypnotic Hypnotic. is the right word and it envelops you and it's it's a it's a paralyzing listen (laughs) <laughs> In the best possible way, it is a paralyzing album to listen to. Merry you Christmas. To,
1: Merry Christmas, <laughs> everyone. I mean, if you
0: haven't heard it yet, you might want to wait until January um, before you stick it on. But I mean, I do think it's an absolutely phenomenal record. Like, I wasn't familiar with the Ranzi Pazuzu. I knew the name, but I wasn't familiar with their work. And the first time I listened to it, I did think. I mean, they reminded me of like Ghost Bath vocally. I was like, mm-hmm. I never really got into Ghost Bath because it is just a bloke going, blah, blah. and I was like, I was always a bit like, this is maybe a little bit too silly, even for sort of extreme metal. This feels quite silly, and I there was a touch of that at first with the Randy Pazuzu, but the more I listened to it, the more I felt myself sinking into the filth that that was their world. <laughs> but it, like I say, it's kind of, it's a dark, dank, nasty filth hole but it's also really playful and hypnotic and um it's psychedelic and it's
1: intoxicating
0: it is it's a it's a it's just an album that that it's like a boa constrictor it will just Mm. suddenly Mm. you'll you'll be thinking oh this is weird and then suddenly your your lungs are being crushed by it it's oppressive and playful it's like selma hayek in from dust till dawn (laughs) sure yeah yeah yeah, yeah, that's, yeah not that, that. that's not that that's not that niche is it no um uh yeah really like picking a tr- picking individual tracks out of this mm. well trying to print trying to pronounce mm. any of the tracks on this is <laughs> like not something that I can be bothered to do and and it also feels like kind of, I don't think you need yeah to. It's it, a, it, it feels a, it's a like work as a whole yeah it it really is it's it's a true album from a a deeply unique I mean you know I said how Oms were had their own identity i mean there's there's one thing having your own identity and using other bits of genres to come up with something in which you find your own kind of formula and then there's this yeah where you're like no, nobody else surely could do this i don't think can you think of any other band who could re? i've never really heard anything created in this way i mean people who are you know listen to this stuff on the fucking you know, over breakfast to probably go in. Oh yeah, there's loads of bands who sound like this. But I personally have never felt even the most sort of spacious sounding, arcane sounding black metal that I've been exposed to. I've never quite felt anything which has captured something so unique as this Aranzi Pazuzu album. And you really do have to be in the mood for it. But on the rare occasion that I am in the mood for it, I'm always just stunned at how great it is mm. it's really really brilliant um i don't have much more to say about it than that really because it's such an odd record yeah it is And there's such an odd band and it really is again you know a bit like we said with nick cave it doesn't matter how well we describe it or how long we take describing it you will never really understand it until you actually hear it and yeah. i think that's true of this record I so there you completely. go i'm going to leave it there yep. uh
1: Okay, Dave, my number 19, very, very different pig a pick, uh Punisher. Pig. Pig, uh, <laughs> Punisher by Phoebe Bridges. Um Phoebe okay. Bridges managed to impress a lot of people with her first full-length debut album, Stranger in the Alps, released in twenty seven. Uh 2017, sorry, but with Punisher. She went into territories that very, very few people expected, I think. Uh, Fun Renfrew fact, uh, it's one of the highest charting albums on my list uh, in the UK album charts, getting to number six. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think Phoebe entices the listener in with these whispered vocals and confessional lyrics as if she's only speaking to you. You know, she has that amazing ability to feel like you're the only person in the room. Punisher starts like a really beautiful, serene singer songwriter album, uh, albeit with elaborate strings and orchestrations over the top of it. Songs like Halloween tug at the heartstrings with their raw honesty, whilst the likes of Kyoto provide a pop sensibility to her existential crisis writing. She's meticulously crafted, her meticulously crafted melodies. Float above these songs. They're suspended like apparitions, you know, over the music. In Chinese Satellite, Bridges mourns the loss of a loved one while simultaneously lamenting her own lack of faith by saying, I want to believe. Instead, I look at the sky and I feel nothing. Swore I could feel you through the walls, but that's impossible. And she manages to intertwine the intimate and the profound seamlessly you're equally likely to find Bridges singing about relationships and mental health issues as you are political or religious apocalypses, because in her world they're one and the same. Um, There's one thing that's difficult to escape with Punisher though, and that's how the last song, I Know The End, builds to an unexpected apocalyptic climax that we, that climax that we can only glimpse in the corner of our eyes through tracks one to nine. That song's epic conclusion has already played out uh in a clever move on the opening track dvd menu so we're subconsciously familiar with what's coming even on a first play even if we are surprised by the way that that song is delivered it starts like so many of phoebe's songs very quiet and confessional lyrics over a sweet guitar line but then the drums kicked in the pick strings become electric guitar chords the strings start to build Brass comes out of nowhere, a choir of voices sing the hook, the end is here. And all of a sudden, we have what sounds like an entire orchestra backing Bridges. Few people expect folk artists to scream, but the apoplectic, cathartic cry that comes from her at this song's conclusion is utterly devastating as the brass and strings build to an epic, almost paradoxically triumphant climax. It's such a contrast to the tranquil, lucid album that has preceded it. There's just there's just no way of knowing on a first play that we're going to get to this ending. We're going to come to this conclusion. That last song is so good, it could arguably eclipse the rest of the album, which I think was a slight criticism of yours, Steve, and also why I've placed the album mm. relatively low in the context of this particular list. But I couldn't let 2020 go by without acknowledging the genius of that song. It's the most honest and cathartic expression of her entire career because of its sheer raw emotion, which is poignant in a way that no guitar solo or string section could possibly emulate. I Know the End is what all of Punisher builds towards, a moment of private and global-scale reckoning that dares to reimagine what it means to be a folk or indie singer-songwriter in 2020. It's an album characterised by its finality, a series of lasts in a time where preparing for the end is starting to feel less and less absurd you know Mm. um and phoebe is an artist who's used the time not touring really wisely too which i think is always worth pointing out she's released two eps since this album was released in june copycat killer is four songs from the record laid bare and rearranged whilst if we make it through december is a beautiful collection of christmas covers Um, And it's really encouraging watching an artist using her downtime in 2020 to be to do something creative rather than sit idly on their thumbs whilst the world gets back to some semblance of normal. So um, both of those EPs are well worth checking out, particularly if we make it through December. Um, Yeah, absolutely astonishing record from a singer songwriter who I've admired for quite some time. I really, really loved that record.
0: Mm. Yeah, I know. I remember you did. I I thought it was very good in parts. I mean, it's not really one that I've gone back to a lot, to be perfectly honest. Sorry. I don't want to speak about it too much now because I can't really remember the last time I listened to it. I did listen to the EP that we were sent, the kind of reworkings of those songs, and I was like, yeah. it's okay. It's pretty good. It's okay. Yeah. Um, But yeah, all right, good pick. Um, I think think
1: the the seesaw of quality, it being so high towards the end and very, very good towards the beginning, it's probably why it's placed where it's placed, but I do adore that record. I absolutely love it.
0: Yeah, okay. So here's my number 18, and it's a record which I think, particularly when we reviewed it, you were a hell of a lot more positive about it than I was, and I was very positive about it, but I I expect we'll be hearing about this record again. And I have to say, I wasn't entirely sure that this was going to make it into my top 20, because I think at the time I said, this is really good, but fuck me, it's hard work. And I stand by that, Although I mean, I've just been speaking about a Ramzi Pazuzu, which is probably more hard work than Clit Drip. Uh, but hmm. Clit Drip without the eyes is my number eighteen.
1: Um, uh, clit Drip without the eyes is my number eighteen as well.
0: Is it? Ah, oh, right. Okay, that's good. I thought that would be a little bit higher up in in your list, but I mean, there I, we go. I love it.
1: Um, do Do you want to go? You go first. And I'll yeah. Just fill in, yeah. Fill in I mean, blanks. basically.
0: When we reviewed it, I'd had a week and a bit with it. I think I would probably had 10 days with it. And it's such a headfuck, this record. Yeah. It's such an abrasive, odd headfuck. And then I'm really glad that we've just done the system of a down podcast uh, so close to talking about this record because I think the put, po- <laughs> you know, I recognized in myself going, yeah, I didn't like Sweet Pea when I first heard it. I didn't like it. I thought it was too weird. I thought it was odd and I'd never really heard anything like it before. Now, I should be old enough to realise that when I feel like that about something, it means that eventually I'm going to think it's really, really great. Um, But I'm not sure that I had quite acknowledged that to the point where I should have done on that record when we reviewed it. So I'm glad that I'm going to get the chance to sort of redress that balance now because I think Clip Dripper are an incredibly unique band. Really, really powerful. And they're powerful and they're heavy. This record is as heavy and as in, as intense as just about any record that you can name this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked about stuff like Fawn Limbs and Napalm Death and Anal Nathrack and Five Finger Death Punch. Really heavy bands, right? Um <laughs> I was waiting for you to laugh. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Five feet <laughs> just fine. Um, but do you know what I mean? So we've spoken about a lot of really, really heavy bands. But I'm not sure any of them managed to meet the just fucking uncontrollable intensity that this record at its most intense. And yet it's not a metal record. It's barely even a rock record. I'm not really sure what this is, to be perfectly honest. I'm still not really sure. I think it's lyrically scabrous and scathing and funny and playful. I mean, I think that kind of sums the whole record up, to be perfectly honest. It's a scabrous, angry, pissed off, sarcastic, yet very, very playful, energetic record um, that doesn't really fit into any obvious genre categories. I think come this time next year, we'll probably be, thinking about this as one of the kind of great debut records of the first part of this decade to be perfectly honest and yet i think what's exciting about it and what i said at the time which i do still stand by is that i think they've got loads of places to go yep if this is a system of a down and you think they could come up back and make a toxicity that's incredibly exciting A thing. I, I think I, I, so absolutely. yeah very good
1: yeah I think the closest I could get to summing up their sound would probably be electro punk um but that doesn't that doesn't gather all of it up mm. um summing that sound up is a struggle I'd say it contains ingredients of um other bands whilst all the while retaining a unique sense of identity um they draw influence from musically diverse acts ranging from the prodigy Horror, death grips, yeah, yeah, yeahs, and my sugar, uh, with a splash of peaches thrown into the mix for good measure. Um, Annie Dorrit is just a fucking star in the making. Um, she's acerbic, sarcastic, caustic, and provocative, whilst having something to actually say. <laughs> she's possessed when she performs with furious, righteous indignation, covering topics such as body image, mental health, gender roles, and the relationship between father and daughter. Whatever Annie sings about, she does it with an acidic rage and honesty and manages just manages to do so whilst at one moment sounding like Nina Simone, the next she sounds like Bikini Kill's Kathleen Hanna, you know? Um, it, it, their sound is a stunning thing to behold and, like you say, completely unique to them. It doesn't quite sound like anything you've heard before. It's genuinely nihilistic, caustic, Electronics are thrown into this three piece that sound as feral and pissed off as Rage Against the Machine did in 92 or Public Enemy did in 1988. You know, I nicked this perfect summation of the record from Rosie Solomon's distorted sound review, which I think just brilliantly, brilliantly summed it up. This nuanced take on the feminist punk genre is unlike anything we've seen before. It speaks to the current wave of feminists growing up, looking at the past and seeing where mistakes have been made. It counters those mistakes with acceptance, perseverance and an urge to do better. And it makes a hell of a lot of noise whilst doing so. They don't just reinvent the wheel, they tear it up and build it back together with honest, poetic lyrics from the weirdest spoken word night you've ever been to. It's noisy and off-putting, but it's also compelling and intriguing. It will keep battering you until the very last second and it's some of the most important music right, around right now. I couldn't agree more.
0: Yeah, that is a very good summation of that record. Yeah, really good. Um, and a, <laughs> like a serious grower. it will. F- and you've got, I think with something like that, you've got to just, you've got to, a bit like a Randy Pazuzu, although different, you've got to kind of embrace the fucking madness of it all. Yeah. Because it's, it's a, white knuckle wild roller coaster ride this record yeah and yeah it's very very good definitely Um, a grower
1: i think i was more um enthusiastic about it because i'd had it since march and you'd had Mm. it what did you say a week 10 days yeah about
0: a week or so 10 days
1: so i'd I'd had it for like seven months before (laughs) before we reviewed it and i'd been listening to it quite solidly so yeah
0: yeah yeah it's very good all right well i'll move on then um my number 17 I mean, you guys told me, you did tell me, you all told me that Mike Van was good. You all told me. And I didn't disbelieve you. I just was like, oh yeah, I'm sure he is. I've just not really gone in that much. And the album that we reviewed previously, I was like, it's kind of weird. I don't know if I'll go back to it because I don't know how much weirdness I need in my life. Turns out from the the look of this list, maybe quite a lot to be (laughs) fair. But um In the Dead Dead Wood came out and it was a surprise release. I remember it's only, what, three, four weeks ago that we reviewed it? Maybe Mm -hmm. not even, yeah, a couple Mm -hmm. of weeks ago that we reviewed it. And I, you were very, very keen to review it and I was like, yeah, cool, we can review it. I can't sit here and pretend like I was super duper excited until I put it on, that is. And I just, suddenly it was like, Something clicked in my mind and I thought, oh yeah, this is, this is what I want rock music to sound like. This is what I want alternative rock to sound like. It's heavy, it's eclectic, it's incredibly lush. It sounds like one of the things that I've noticed from listening to it in the intervening weeks since we've reviewed the record. And like I say, you know, this is still not, you know, 6th of November, so not even a month since it came out mm-hmm. as we sit here and record the way that everything is pieced together, the the lushness of the way it sounds like I've been walking around putting it on with my headphones on when I go for a walk in the morning or whatever. And I can just hear the clarity of those guitars. You know, this is, I know Mike's a big fan of the Cardiacs and he's obviously a big fan of very, very heavy music as well. And the kind of amalgam of what alternative rock used to be, which was I really like these melodious indie bands and the Beatles, but I also like the idea of progression, and I also just like the sheer kind of the weight of heaviness. Do you know what I mean? Metal, like actual metal. Um, Fork in a Road's the last track on this record. It's 12 minutes and 37. It's not really 12 minutes and 30 seconds. There's a, a, a bit added on. It's kind of, what, like nine minutes or it's so? It's about roughly? nine and a half minutes. Yeah. about. <sighs> and it's just absolutely bewilderingly bombastic, but incredibly catchy. Like, the and, and not just vocally. Like, vocally it is. R- the riffs on it are perfect. The 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 kind of the lush soundscapes that he that he he kind of pulls out of nowhere at mm. points. I mean, a song like "Lancelot," which I just think is fucking beautiful, just stirring and st- without being, you know, like n- it's none of it's cheesy. Like alternative mm. rock got to the point in the sort of late nineties where it started sounding a bit cheesy, and it's st- or it started sounding very radio friendly. And this reminds me of a time when the kind of pre-MTV alternative rock gold dust pay dirt years where bands were getting signed up and told to write songs for MTV. It just sounds like a more innocent time where people who owned Husker Do and My Bloody Valentine and Slayer Records thought, let's make something which sounds like all of those things. And if you can do that with the kind of the calibre of musicianship that mike obviously has you can make a fucking brilliant record and i think this record is were it to have come out in say august Mm. lord only knows how high up this would be lord only knows
1: yeah it's still growing on me as well
0: yeah i mean it's got it's got above some stuff that I was, I mean, like Bambara, for example, isn't even in here, but this is. And, you know, the, the, there's things on that list, like I said, that have been that I've been listening to all year that I think are great. And yet I still i am just like, no, 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 th- this is, if I don't put this in somewhere, I'm going to regret it. Because come six months from now, I will have, I feel like I'll have every nuance of this record etched into my brain. It's fucking great, this record.
1: That is awesome to hear. I'm staying quiet. Um, I bet you are. um, My number 17 is um, a really good friend of mine, um, Katie Malco with Failures. Um, Uh, Yeah, I like this record. mm, I've followed Katie's career with Vivid Interest for the past five years or so. And this debut album has felt a really long time coming. Um, It had been seven years since her last stunning EP, Tearing Ventricles. Um, So I was really nervous pressing play on this. There'd been a lot of anticipation building for this record. And, and, you know, Katie's a friend. I really, really, really wanted to like it. Um, And it proved very easy to like this record. In fact, it proved very easy to love it. Katie has such a wonderful sense of melody that evokes 90s female-led guitar pop. Stuff like Sheryl Crow, Alanis Morissette, even Sarah McLachlan, I would say. And those might seem like outdated references, but a great melody is timeless, you know, and and Katie has buckets of them. Um, I read another fantastic summation of this record. If you can't do it yourself, get someone else's words. <laughs> um, Mia Hughes' review of the album on Secret Meeting. Failures is a row of Polaroids on a wall. They're of you and people that you love or once did. And though you're smiling in the pictures, when you look at them now, you can't help but feel everything that was hurting you at that moment. There's an enduring sense of dislocation across the record as a whole. A feeling of being emotionally out of sorts, perpetually chasing last trains or waiting at isolated stations. Failure sees Katie find the conviction to tackle her anxieties head on. And... I couldn't agree more with that sentiment. There's this feeling that is evoked throughout the record of looking back on earlier, maybe simpler times that have been sullied with time and the events that played out after those memories were first made. It's a fall-on feeling that I can relate to as if I were the subject of the songs myself. When Katie sings on Fractures, I'll be this for you if you want me to, and I'll love you endlessly if you can pretend to love me, Those words hit a heartstring within me that feels so pertinent to my own life. It's almost too much to bear. Um, And I don't think it's, I don't know if that's because I know Katie and so I can relate to it on that level as well, but I don't think it is. I think it's because she's a great communicator and an amazing conduit for these feelings that many of us experience, the bittersweet experiences that make up the very fabric of our being. Um... T.W., like so many songs, covers the subject of losing a loved one, but the lyrics are strangely celebratory um, rather than simply sad, and communicating those nuances is a real skill in songwriting. The hook is we'll celebrate your life and I'll celebrate mine whilst I'm still alive. There's resolve there to continue on and play into this cruel cycle of birth, life and death But then when Katie sings, we'll set your spirit free, trapped for years in a failing body, now you're free. There's sometimes relief to the death of a loved one because of the pain that they've been suffering for such a long, long time. And Katie is able to not only communicate those quite complex feelings, but make me feel as if this is the soundtrack to my life and not just hers. Um. The album was composed after years of self doubt and has frankly made a mockery of any self doubt Katie may have had. I think it's an album that took years to come together, but one that's been worth every second second waiting for. I, I some albums just speak to you on a hugely personal level and this one really, really did. Um and I absolutely love it. I think it's a really glorious guitar pop record.
0: Yeah, it is really good. <coughs> there was a few a few of those records of I guess of that ilk that didn't quite make it into well, even to my top 40, just to show the strength of that year. But I'm like, I mean, porridge radio was another one that yeah, I thought was great really records. good. You know, we, we, there's not, I'm not sure if you are going to mention it, but I, I didn't get anywhere near. not to didn't get anywhere near, but didn't come into mind come the end of the year. And yeah, I really enjoyed that record when I listened to it, but it has been a little while. I should probably go back to it actually, because I think I was pretty positive about it at the time. Yeah. I think it's a really good record yeah. for sure. Yeah. Good. Nice. Okay. Um, my number sixteen. This is some change of tact, sort of. I think Rita Sawayama, hmm. Sawayama, the self-titled, sort of um, half self-titled debut album from. Um, what is Rita Sawayama? She's a she's a pop star, Definitely. essentially, <clears throat> but she's a pop star in the most glorious mold. I think because if there's one thing that I find incredibly dull. It is faceless and boring, generic pop music which is made with no other intention than getting on the radio. Pop music can be gloriously over the top and can be hugely wild. And I think people don't often give those artists, artists like Lady Gaga and Madonna, I don't think people often give them credit for just how kind of creative... They have been, you know, particularly people in metal. I should say, I think people within pop do actually, but I think a lot of people from the scene, from where we come from, don't really appreciate that so much. And I had been feeling a bit like it's not really any good new, new, new pop stars that are coming out that I think is, I think are, are really great. Not people that I can imagine ending up, you know, playing being like Pink or something and playing stadiums. And I hadn't... I'd sort of given up on the idea that oddities could be big pop stars. David Bowie was a pop star, you know, and a a real oddity. And I really feel like Rita Sawayama comes from that line of incredibly odd and unique. And to be fair, the last few years has thrown up a fair few. Um, Charlie XCX being, you know, an example. uh, And grimes people like that and i i mean i i think this record is is mad i mean it's it's quite again it's a fairly big undertaking it's 43 minutes and 34 seconds for a pop album it's quite long and that's how long this record is and i think when we reviewed it we said there are parts of it that don't quite work but i've also almost kind of got over that hump uh, of of those things, that I don't think are quite as good because I think when this hits, and I think it hits with far more regularity than it misses, far more regularity. When it hits, I think it is brilliantly, wonderfully over the top. I mean, if we're talking about the best songs of the year, this has got a few on it. Excess, STFU, Bad Friend, Who's Gonna Save Us Now? I mean, I. When I got out, I've talked about the time when I I got out of metal and it's because in 2002, 2003, when the Neptunes came along and Justin Timberlake <laughs> was a big star and Christina Aguilera and like the Sugar Babes on Angels with Dirty Faces and that. And I looked at pop music and I was like, this is more exciting than what rock is doing. This is more innovative and eclectic and exciting. This is taking more risks. This is bigger than, the, you know, than, Funeral for a Friend or whatever. Do you know what I mean? I was like, this is actually more exciting. And Rita Sawayama and this record reminds me of that. Like, there's so many bits in it, which, I mean, I think it sounds brilliantly cutting edge and massively contemporary. But at the same same time, you know, a song like Who's Gonna Save Me Now, that sounds like it could have been plucked out of a Kelly Clarkson album. Like, it's got that massive, huge bubblegum stadium pop appeal and she you know she messes with guitars and she messes with kind of her native you know being kind of um from uh, a japanese descent she she brings some of that kind of eastern flavor into her music as well and i think it makes her a really distinct sound and 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 the thing as well is again like from what i talked about at the start about pop music and how it can sometimes the the kind of generic nature of pop music means that like the poppy album I felt like that's went. oh we'll do a rock album there's been a lot of chat recently Miley Cyrus she's got you know done a rock album and she's gonna and when you kind of go out of your way go right this is now we're going to write a rock song Ed Sheeran did it last year and he had got that matey uh, Chris Stapleton in a song gonna, hey, this is what a rock song sounds like I don't ever feel like even though there are guitars and heavy guitars on this record I don't feel like it's an attempt to go, like, oh we're going metal it just feels like the it feels like part of her genetic makeup it feels just, like one part of the tapestry of her music it's just another and
1: instrument and another texture to play yeah
0: with. yeah yeah mm-hmm. it, it absolutely is it's not forced it's not false it doesn't come from a place of cynicism i think this record is like it's wonderfully free and, But yet brilliantly focused, which I think is what makes for really, really great pop music. Hooky, innovative, you, you know, very, very distinctive to the the person who stands in front of it. She's got an incredible amount of charisma. She's got a fantastic voice. I really, as the year has gone on, uh, I just think this album gets better and better and better and better. And that's kind of the opposite of what people normally think about pop records Mm. oh you hear it once and it's in your head and then you get bored of it Mm. this is the
1: opposite of that and i think that is a great sign of quality for a pop record i certainly think there's a lot of depth to it for a pop record i mean that's going to sound like me damning with faint praise to a degree but i guess as someone who doesn't well I, i i just don't tend to listen to this kind of music but like i say i know a good pop album when i hear it and this is undoubtedly a great pop album there's like so many brilliant brilliant songs and brilliant brilliant moments on this record and like you say she does have a really unique individual style which she's managed to put together relatively quickly this is a full length debut she did a couple of eps and stuff but yep this is a full length debut and it is a very striking dominant image which she's managed to conjure up very very quickly and i can see her um I should say I, don't, I, I wanted to correct you. It's technically Rena Soyoama, Uh granddad. What did I say? You'd be calling her Rita, which I'm sure she. Oh, have I? Oh, God, <laughs> all right, granddad. Do You know what? I
0: don't. I don't even. Didn't even realize I was doing that. I knew her name was Rena, but I guess yeah. years of watching Coronation Street. Is I I fucking...
1: I love M sync as well, man. You know, it's all good. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> People are now going to say you don't know what you're talking about because you accidentally mispronounced somebody's name.
1: Yeah, <laughs> boring. Um, yeah. Yeah, even even not being interested in... Not not even not being interested in... The, because this is interesting music, but not, not being a fan of this kind of music, you can just tell instantly this is someone who has a good hold on their career and could be a creative spirit as creatively fulfilling, as interesting as the likes of Madonna or Lady Gaga. I think mm. there is absolutely the potential for that to happen. I wonder if this is the highest charting album in your list... There's probably i have no idea where it got to actually but um it, it probably could be a good shout couldn't it it
0: got to it didn't it didn't appear to chart in the u k it got to number thirty on digital albums number eight on u k independent albums and number two on independent album breakers
1: my mistake uh, my mistake
0: um so not that high i mean i'm thinking probably my next one is the anyway we'll get on with, yeah mm. no mm. No, it won't it won't be the highest, definitely not the highest charting one. Okay.
1: I believe she's due to be playing I want to say she's playing Heaven next year, if that does go ahead, of course. I got that wrong. Um she is doing uh the electric Brixton um in November. So that's only one and a half thousand. Yeah, that's only one and a half thousand, but she also already has a date the next day at the roundhouse, which is literally double the size. So you can Mm, kind of see that, like... They released the album, had a certain expectation for it, and it's just gone way beyond that. And they're now like scrambling around and going, fuck me, we need to book the Roundhouse, not Electric Brixton. You know, yeah. so um, I don't think she's going to remain small for very long. Despite not being a massive um, fan of the music, would I go and see her? Absolutely. fucking lootly. I bet she put on a hell of a show. And I bet it'd be really creative and interesting and innovative. Um, yeah, she's a brilliant artist. Fair play.
0: Really good, yeah, I like that a lot. Very, she calls
1: very you um, Stepen.
0: Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I mean, obviously, people. I oh, don't even know what you're talking. About. It's a slip of the tongue, guys. It's a slip of the fucking tongue. Get over it. Like, move I, on? I, I, I get. I'm, yeah, am like I'm forty now. I've I'm meant to pronounce <laughs> everything wrong. So. Um,
1: so my number sixteen is well, hmm, if there is one album that has flown under the radar and not been given the props that it deserves this, this year. It is Hush Mortal Coil by Martin Gretsch. Um, It's his fourth album and first since 2007's March of the Lonely. So it's been 13 years coming. Martin Gretsch has created a epic hour long masterwork that completely defies categorization. Uh, There are no boundaries put on this album whatsoever. Every single aspect of it is there to serve the song. A cursory listen to the opening track uh, Maelstrom Spark might make one assume that this is a singer songwriter album, albeit one with the extravagance of a Rufus Wainwright or a Jeff Buckley um gretchen's voice is so beautiful and otherworldly that even if this was to be a fairly straight ahead singer songwriter album you feel immediately in safe hands and assured that it's going to be something spectacular um i mentioned jeff buckley already and there are obvious comparisons to be made but also not so obvious comparisons such as the fact that just like grace uh hush mortal coil is an album that really cannot be boiled down to genre as much as people such as myself will try in a bid to describe the bloody thing. um, Like Grace, Hush Mortal Coil is an outlier as it evokes many distinct influences without ever directly sounding like any of them. Um, We evoke the days of music magazines all the time on this show. That's the era that we grew up in. And if it had been released 10 years ago and be given the proper push that it should have done, I see no conceivable reason why this album couldn't have been covered in Kerrang, Q, Metal Hammer, Enemy. It'd be a shoe in for prog. Uh, I mean, when you look at some of the end-of-year lists we've been perusing from Terrorizer for classic albums, I see no real reason why Hush Mortal Coil wouldn't fit quite seamlessly into that publication as well, to be honest. And how many albums can you think of that can comfortably and the key word there's comfortably fit coverage in from that widespread of magazines? I assure you, there aren't many.
0: No, there's really not.
1: There are not many at all. And I genuinely think that this album can, could comfortably sit in Kranku, Metal Hammer, Enemy, Prog or Terroriser easily. Easily. Yeah, this is a
0: very, very good record. And I have to be honest with you, I forgot all about it, which is I am part of the problem, rimfree
1: The crying shame of this record. I mean, you know, no PR and not many people picked up on it. There was um, a message on his Facebook page from God 2016 or something like that. Album update. Mortal Coil is still in the final stages of mixing. Long gaps due to little or zero funding has stretched the deadline b- beyond obscenity, but I just wanted to let you know that we are still on the case and with any luck a release date estimate will be with you soon. That was posted on the 4th of May 2016. So this album's gone through a lot of stuff to finally be here and I think it's a real shame that I mean I said it quite a lot during the review but it just seems to have been fairly ignored. And, like, there aren't many people who seem to have picked up on it at all. Um, it's a hard sell. It's a hard sell. How do you describe this record? I've been listening to it for six months, and I still struggle to describe it. Um, there's elements of, like, chamber pop on it. There's elements of electronics. There's elements of... Uh, it's, it's just a kaleidoscopic cacophony of ideas. Um, some of the subtler tracks that I might not have picked out as highlights when we first came to review this album are now some of my highlights because they're so buried under this absolute wealth of brilliant, brilliant ideas. So the title track is simply beautiful. Um, An ambient showcase for Gretchen's incredible voice and tasteful songwriting or the beautifully evocative nymphs in in Halakial Rising. Um, Sadness is a story only a dancer can tell is a track that Nick Drake would have been proud to write, I think but then the next song into the sun contrasts it beautifully being a song that any tech metal band would have been proud to write in 2020 and yet it manages to put all this stuff together and be cohesive it's an extraordinary feat and i and and i kind of marvel at this record because i listen to it and i go i do not know how he's put this together and made it work i have no idea but it's an absolute masterwork and that's how i feel when i listen to grace you know, I don't think yeah. I don't think Grace and Mortal Coil sounds the same, but they have many, many, many through lines and many, many things that make me compare the two. And I think this is an absolutely golden record, which really deserves so much more press than it got.
0: But, yeah, I feel really bad because it was such a difficult record to get your head around that I listened to the I listened the shit out of it when we reviewed it because I was like, I have to get this right. And then as soon as we finished the review I haven't listened to it again and I think it's maybe because I was like wow I really need a break mm. from that record for <clears> a little bit and unfortunately I just it just slipped my mind but it is I do remember thinking this is fucking outstanding musicianship I'm going to go back to that Renfrey you have reminded me to go back to that good good shout I'm glad you're here <laughs> good
1: job you're here on it well, that's a nice <laughs> change from two and a half years ago when you wanted to call it the Stephen Hill show <laughs>
0: Yeah, just, it would have been more, just, you know, better for our our profile, I think. Mm, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Etc., et <laughs> Um, Anyway, okay, cool. So there you go. That is your number 16. My number 15. This is my highest charting album of my mm. top 20. Mm-hmm. It went in at number five on the UK album charts. Deftones, gonna be Deftones, aren't they? Mm. Releasing good records, OMS by Deftones. Now, We're on far safer ground here Uh, in general. I think you all know how both of us feel about Deftones. We've bloody gone on about it enough. I have to say, um, 15 is either, is one of two things here, Renfrey. Now, either this isn't as good a Deftones album as Deftones have produced in the past, where they probably would have been higher up, or this is a much better year, or both. Um, For me, it's both, to be perfectly honest. Um, It's an incredibly difficult year to be uh, a band releasing a good album, particularly when you're a band who have already released like endless fucking masterpieces. And Oms is not going to be the album we remember Deftones for. Like, um, it's number 15 in my top 20 albums of the year, so I'm not slagging it off. But I'm just saying... When the book is written on Deftones, the first thing that we talk about will not be Oms. It won't be the second or third thing either, to be perfectly honest. It is a very good Deftones record. It's Deftones record that adds in a whole bunch of new little twists to stuff that they've done before. You know, we spoke about the kind of Vangelis style stuff that um, that Frank... Not Frank Carter. His name's not fucking Frank, Frank Carter. Frank Delgado. Frank Delgado. Yeah. Frank Carter from Deftones. Rita Sawayama and <laughs> Frankie Madball should all get together and do a band. Just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, a much safer play. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um. So yeah, the stuff that Frank Delgado is bringing to it. That big Red Fang style riff at the start of the title track as well. Those are all really cool things and it's always lovely to hear a band of the vintage of Deftones at least trying to bring new stuff to the table. But ultimately, the reason why this record works is because it's Deftones doing all the stuff that Deftones do really, really fucking well. I loved hearing... I mean, This Link is Dead is still the highlight for me because Deftones sounding really, really heavy, like really heavy for the first time in God knows how long. Like, you know... I don't want to rabbit on about gore i love gore and i love um koino yokan both fucking brilliant and obviously diamond eyes is a classic as well i love all those records but i don't think they've sounded as heavy as metal as they sound on this link is dead for a very very long time and i loved hearing that i think there are hooks the hooks are less obvious on this record the kind of the it's an illusion which you don't actually think is a hook but then you mm. did it the second mm. i started mm. bringing it up mm-hmm. um yeah Tones are tones, they are fucking brilliant and they are pretty much i would say at this point i'm not sure they're capable of releasing a record that wouldn't get into my top 20 albums of the year um I, and i concur and I don't think it's damning with faint praise to have them down with 15. It's just a fact of the matter that even an average Deftones record is above some f- really fuck. I mean, we just spoke about how exciting Clit drip were. I went off about how venar supposedly basically made a perfect alternative rock record and yet Deftones tones not even at their very very finest have managed to get in above them so although like i say i'm not sure this is going to be deftones finest hour it would be most
1: other bands finest hour yeah Yeah. agreed Mm. um one question when we reviewed this record you said of the last four deftones records uh at that point it was your least favorite uh do you still agree with that i think i do Hmm. I think I do. Yeah.
0: I mean, uh, and that just shows how incredibly strong their back catalogue is. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, you know, this is a really, really fucking great record. Yep. And it's got number one on... I mean, I'm looking at it now. It's It was Revolver's number one album of the year. It was. Which is, you know... Uh, A bit of an accolade. I
1: I think we can safely say it's going to appear on many, many more Album of the Year Mm. lists. Of course it is. Yes. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, Probably probably higher than where I've got it as well, I would imagine. I mean, it's much higher in my Metal Hammer Albums of the Year list Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of stuff that's not kind of eligible that's coming up throughout this. So, you know, I would... in, in terms of metal, there's not really much that I think is superior to this this year. Deftones are good. The end.
1: Hot take. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my number 15 is Emma Ruth Rundle and Thou with their debut album, debut collaboration album, May Our Chambers Be Full. There used to be a time when collaboration albums wouldn't really live up to the idea that you had of them in your head. May Our Chambers Be Full, um, between the ethereal sombre strains of Emma Ruth Rundle and the sludge noise terror of Vow is exactly the Jekyll and Hyde hybrid you expect it to be. And that's why it's brilliant. Um, I love ethereal celestial music when it's married to glorious, heavy, tar-thick metal. As with so much art, those diametrically opposing forces being brought together under one banner make for something far more interesting and sumptuous to listen to than those two components apart. Mm. It's not an obvious collaboration by anyone's standards. Um, Emma Ruth Rundle adopts a sort of shoegaze-infused post-rock approach to folk, whilst thou usually adopt an incredibly sludgy and heavy approach to doom. But often bands do projects outside of their other bands to do something different from the norm. And it doesn't really feel like that's the case with this collaboration. It just feels like they've taken the absolute best elements of Emma Ruth Rundle, the absolute best elements of Thou, and combined the two together and created something really fucking cool as a result. The It's such a thick, textured sound that the guitars make in particular it's so sludgy at some points it sounds like there are three or four different guitars playing all different things but then that's offset with all the guitars then seemingly playing the exact same thing together at once and it just sounds massive um out of his existence is a prime example of that with a wonderful guitar break that lifts the song before all the other guitars pulverize you to the same riff Emma takes on most of the vocal duties on the record, which is definitely for the best, I think. Her vocals swirl beautifully around the sludgy swamp of despair that thou conjure. But Brian Funk's torched screams bring a malevolent presence to proceedings that is both haunting and terrifying. Uh, Pretty much all of these songs combine those two disparate elements expertly, but Magical Cost is particularly noteworthy, I think, for the call and response between Emma and Brian. The black metal elements that they bring into that song as well just sound particularly potent. Um, But they evoke Smashing Pumpkins just as much as they do Dark Throne, with Into Being sounding like an extraordinarily heavy version of the former's mayonnaise. Um, This record starts very very strongly and just gets better as it goes on we talked about songs of the year at the beginning of this um i have to put the valley in there as a contender for song of the year almost nine minutes in length it's a song that takes up literally a quarter of the album's running time completely deservedly so it's unusual for this album in that it could have been just an emma ruth rundle solo song um and it feels like it's scoring like an epic Sergio Leone spaghetti western or something like that it's a grand and wide screen in its scope I'm stunned every single time I listen to it because it makes nine minutes feel like three Um, and it is one of the best songs of the year but like I say this album starts on a nine and just gradually becomes a 10 (laughs) throughout its running time, in my opinion. Uh, It's my shortest album of the year. I do like short albums, 36 minutes and nine seconds. And it's just a brilliant, brilliant collaboration. It's really, really cool to see these collaborations come through and them actually live up to the idea that you have in your head. And this one does that better than any other that I can recall ever.
0: Mm. Yeah, I really like that record. It's not made it into my list. It has kind of tapered off a bit for me although i do love emma ruth rundle i think i love emma ruth rundle more than i like thou
1: yes that's that's definitely true that's definitely true but (laughs) i but i but i love emma singing over thou Mm. i I like Mm. that the combination of her ethereal light fairy-esque vocal over that sludgy guitar it's just unbeatable for me
0: it's more an album of (laughs) moments for me rather than, I mean, I say like that last song is fucking insanely brilliant. Um, and I think there's moments on it that I really love, but it wasn't enough to get it in mind to be Mm. honest, but yeah, good album. Um, all right. Now this for me is where we go from the very good to the very, very good, the very, very, very good indeed point. This is where it got super hard for me. Right. And my number fourteen is actually I probably the only records that will feature on either of our lists or that have featured on either of our lists for the last couple of years that we haven't actually reviewed on the show. Whoa. So I don't even know if you've heard this record. Renfrey, oh, right, okay. Um, because I found out about it uh, a few months after it came out. Uh my number fourteen is The Long Goodbye by Riz Ahmed. Now, Riz Ahmed is um an actor who i whose work i enjoyed very much yep. he was very 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 brilliant sublime in fact in the incredible four lions yep. back in the day which is one of the greatest comedy films ever um he was also in uh, a tv show called holy fuck what the fuck was that tv show? the night of where he plays the taxi driver oh and yeah seen that yeah There's that was really br- good so really, really excellent. He's a really good art. He's a really good actor. And I asked for some recommendations on Twitter, probably about six months ago. And someone said to me, "Have you heard the Riz Ahmed album?" And I was like, "Oh, Riz Ahmed, as in as in the actor Riz Ahmed." And because I'd liked him as an actor, I thought, "Well, I'm definitely going to check this out." And uh, I, the long goodbye has snuck up. I mean, you're talking about short albums. This is 26 minutes and 58 seconds, 15 tracks. Um, but it packs in so much, this record. And I think it is just a really brilliant allegorical conceptual record. Uh, he is a f- really brilliant MC, which I had absolutely no idea about. Um, I didn't know he was a musician at all. I didn't know he had this back catalog of music. And this is the only album of his that I've listened to. And uh, I'm under the impression from the reviews that it's his best one. And I am, I'm just more and more and more impressed by this record the more I've listened to it throughout the year. It's basically a concept album of the United Kingdom's relationship with South Asians and British Asians, told through a kind of metaphor of uh, an abusive relationship. So the first song, The Breakup, um, is basically Riz begging Britannia, Brittany, Brit, to not leave him, right? So it's got a lot of kind of Brexit undertones to it. She's, you know, that we had this union and now she doesn't want me anymore. And it's basically, and the way that he sounds, I mean, from the off, he sounds crestfallen. I mean, it's it's done through gritted teeth and, you know, glassy eyes. It's a really moving performance. And he's an actor, and this is obviously some kind of metaphor for a wider thing. But he he dig you can tell that he digs in so deep into that stuff. And it's very and it's as an opener you are like, holy fuck. Like and it's mostly kind of a cappella. It's very, very um very slight musically and this is hip hop but it's hip hop done with in the same way as a band like Asian Dub Foundation brought that kind of eastern flavor to indie music and to punk music Riz Ahmed brings uh, just a touch really it's just it, it's not even it's not an overwhelming amount of kind of eastern uh, east asian influences to the record but it's just enough to really kind of seep into your subconscious uh, there are there are moments on this record that I think are are fucking amazing. It's such a clever record. It's such an articulate record. It's such a powerful record. I mean, it will probably surprise no one to learn that there will be more kind of powerful, politically-minded, racially-minded statements coming from some of the artists that I will have later on in this list. Um, But, I mean, you read a bit from Bambara. I'm going to read you a bit of the lyrics from from the song uh, Where You're From because I was like again I think this is this is a real highlight the record for me he says skinheads meant i never really liked the british flag and i just got the shits when i went back to pack and my ancestors indian but india was not for us my people built the west we even gave the skinhead swastikas now everybody wanting their country back if you want me back to where i'm from then bruv i need a map or if everyone just gets their shit back then that's a bless for us you only built a piece of this place bruv the rest was us maybe i'm from everywhere but nowhere no man's land between the trenches nothing grows there but it's fertilized by the brown bodies fought for you in the wars so when i spit a poppy grows there yeah i make my own space in this business of britishness your question's just limiting it's based on appearances stop trying to make a box for us i'll make my own and break your poxy concept of us very few fit these labels so i'm ripping for the rest of us who know that there's no place like home and that stretches us. Who switch? Who code switch so don't piss me off with cricket tests for us. Or question us about our loyalty, our blood and sweats enough. Born under a sun that you made too hot for us. Kidnapped by empire and dysphoria fostered us. Raised by Bangra, Garage and Halal southern fried chicken shops. I'm a junglist, a jungly. I'm Mowgli from the jungle book. I'm John Barnes in the box. I blaze hard after mosque. I bend words like brown and west until they just spell what. My tribe is a quest to a land that was lost to us, and its name is dignity. So, where I'm from is not your problem, bruv.
1: Fuck me, there's that, a lot in there. There's a lot in there.
0: There is so much in there, and that's just one verse from mm. one song. <clears throat> um, and when you get to the end, the last track, Karma, and there's uh, a, a kind of. The album is peppered with voice notes from and voicemails from his friends going, man, keep your chin up. I hope you're all right. And it's about this kind of this struggle he's having with this relationship about this girl, Britannia, who wants to leave him. And when you get to Karma, the last song, and the the kind of bit before it is a voicemail from his friends going, oh, I just saw you know, I just saw her and she's looking terrible. And you know what? I think actually you're better off away from these people. And then the song karma comes in to close the record and the, the journey that you go on, you are like, yeah, fucking hell man. You can see it's, it's very difficult for people like you and for white guys like us to really feel the level of resentment Hmm. that people like Riz Ahmed must feel. Hmm. We, I think we, 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 try our best to understand it and i think we we really want to understand it but we can't ever understand it and i think the fact that we have to acknowledge that we can't understand it means that when you get something like this which i think is the closest i genuinely think this is the closest i could ever feel to really truly understand that is the power of music and the power of art is to you know to to really truly make someone think about things in ways that they've never really thought about it before even when it's something that they do think about a lot or even if it's something that they want to consider me and you Renfrew we want we want to be nice people we want to be inclusive people we want to we want to be we want the world to be an inclusive equal place for everybody that's what we want and we want to be empathetic but even we want to yeah, be em- but,
1: empathetic to people's struggles
0: and albums like this make that yeah. possible more possible for us I think it's an it's a really really great it's a great record um you know uh, it could possibly be a little bit higher but like i said this is a an incredible year but as a kind of a, an as an artistic statement I and mean, i don't think musically it is over the the quality of some of the shit that i'm going to be talking about later on hence why it's it's number 14 but i think this is when shit starts getting really really good now really good and as an artistic statement as a you know as a a a, a conceptual thing as a thought provoking piece of art this is fucking brilliant really great remind me of the name of the album it's the long goodbye by riz Ahmed and i suggest you should all go and listen to it and thank you for whoever it was who i can't remember who it was but thank you for recommending it to me because for the last sort of five months i've probably put it on you know at least once a week Hmm.
1: Hmm.
0: and because we hadn't reviewed it i was like "Mm, i don't know maybe i should and i was like no no it's too good it's too good not to go in that's
1: cool that's awesome yeah okay so my number 14 it's been said a lot on this podcast that steve and i don't go in for doom all that often but elephant tree are so much more than a mere doom band i was gonna say are they even a doom band well they're well quite um the sound and tone that they conjure is far closer to tones or Caius in their approach. It's fuller, it's richer, it's more expansive. They manage the dichotomy of being crushingly heavy whilst appearing airy and light simultaneously, which gives their core sound a far more interesting tonality to that of a, another Doom band, if indeed they are even a Doom band, as you rightly point out, Steve. Um, their guitar tone is just so lush and sumptuous a lot of doom aims for heavy and elephant tree have heaviness in their sound in abundance but you can tell it's not the only element they want in their sound and their third album habits which is my pick for number like number 14 contains elements of blues prog rock folk and even little touches of pop here and there sprinkled throughout without ever feeling compromised or stilted in any way shape or form the songs on habits explore the counterpoint of uplifting buoyant music contrasted with lyrics rooted in mental anguish when the band lower the volume and go quietly psychedelic three minutes into exit the soul it's blindingly obvious that we're dealing with something that's far more interesting than your average doom band a genre that this band just seems to keep coming up in for some reason and i'm just i don't I don't fully see it. They're slow, they're lumbering, but just doom? There's a lot more going on here than just that.
0: Remind me more of Pink Floyd than they do, you know, Bongzilla.
1: Yeah, absolutely. When the whole band come back in on Exit the Soul, it sounds absolutely crushing. This is a band who know how to use dynamics and craft a sense of narrative through their songs. Um, it's even more apparent with the strange seam of folk that runs through the record um, on songs such as the Four chorus and broken nails and these songs aren't throwaway interludes either but they're essential parts of the record as a whole they're beautifully written too the four chorus has a beautifully ethereal quality with some gorgeous violins in the background which add a haunting melancholy shadow over the song it's sumptuous and elegant in its deep felt melancholy Uh, and when the violins break out from underneath that blanket of um etherealism which is the proper word um (laughs) they uh they break out this kind of fiddly diddly melody which shouldn't work at all on an album like this and yet it does spectacularly uh, it, just as it would work on a Nightwish record, you know. um mm. But nothing here sounds compromised at all. The lush vocals of Peter Holland provide an emotional wallop, particularly on the epic one, two of the four chorus and Bird, which might be one of the best examples of two track sequence together on any album released this year. Uh, the moment when the band all kick in on a cry of, Fly! on bird is just surely one of the most euphoric moments in music this year it's incredible they recall called smashing pumpkins pink floyd as you said ocean size and Paul Bearer all the while managing to sound entirely like their own unique proposition it feels very lived in this music it's an almost 70s vibe while still sounding and remaining very very current Um, the textures on this record are so warm it's like an electric blanket of riffs being tossed over your body and warming you to your very soul before shattering you with something as fragile and otherworldly as the full chorus or something like that the strides this band have made this is their third record as i said their first two are certainly worth investigating but this is a massive step up for a really exciting uk band i fucking love this record
0: yeah, it was very, very close to making my top twenty. Ah, this okay. this might be twenty-one. Yeah, this record. Uh, yeah, very, very good. Pretty annoyed that I didn't get it in there actually, because, like you say, it is amazing. But it was kind of between that and Om's, and Om's just just nicked in in front of him. Mm-hmm. But undoubtedly a great rec- A great record. My number thirteen comes from somewhere we just well oh fuck it greg greg puchato puchato i've been told i said his name properly um child soldier creator of god i love everything greg has ever done as an artist i love killer be killed i love the black queen i quite like the dillinger escape (laughs) plan you may have heard as well renfrey um he's brilliant and he's the closest thing i think as i said in my metal hammer review of this record i feel like at this point he is the closest thing this the sort of next generation on has to mike Patton, Mm. Uh, an incredibly talented dexterous vocalist who just seems to do whatever the fuck he wants and that might be scabrously heavy screaming metallic Hardcore with blast beats and, you know, grunge riffs and all kinds of shit all over it. It might be beautifully soft sounding. marshmallowy 80s electro synth. He doesn't give a fuck. And I think it's super exciting to hear the sort of the culmination of Greg's personality come together in the course of. An hour and four minutes and 46 seconds, which is how long this record is. There's shit on it. I mean, stuff like Fireflies, which is a bit like Nine Inch Nails. You've got bits that remind me of Pig Destroyer. I mean, Fire for Water when that comes in, like heavy. Shit's heavy. And A Pair of Questions, which is pretty much, again, I'd say one of my favorite songs of the entire year, which just reminds me of. Talk talk and all the other very, very intelligent, more lackadaisical 80s synth bands that I fucking adore. And Greg does all of those things on this record. I mean the first song, Heaven of Stone, you know, when that when that came on and I was like, Oh, there's a kind of acoustic singer songwritery vibe to this. I didn't expect that. Mm. And then I just found myself going, I didn't expect that. Mm -hmm. throughout the entire thing. And I think what's weird is I didn't expect it, but then when I think, the more that I've thought about it since we've reviewed it, I probably should have expected it, really. I should have expected it because it's not like he's ever really shied away from that type of music and the things that he likes. It's just you don't expect it because... Even someone like Mike Patton, for the most part, I suppose actually in Mr. Bungle and in Faith No More, he's not sort of regimentally tied to one genre. But most people, most people do a project where they pick a genre and they focus in on that. I mean, even if he was going to do grindcore plus industrial metal, it's all still sort of metal. And you'd have gone, oh, that's quite eclectic. Well, (laughs) maybe. But in comparison with this and he does all of it brilliantly like he's fucking great i think the days of thinking greg was just a guy with a good voice who climbed on things at during dillinger shows i'm not sure how many people really ever thought about that but you know he's he plays pretty much. Every, I think he. I think he plays everything bar drums. the drums. I think Ben Collar does some drumming. No, it's
1: and, uh, Chris. I think it's mainly Chris Hornbrook from Poison the Well, actually.
0: Oh, is it really? Um,
1: ben yeah, Ben might do right, the odd actually. track here. Ben them, Collar's on
0: Roach. Ben Collar's on um, Roaches. Yeah, apparently, and Chris Penny uh, is oh, on yeah. Fire for Water of as course. well. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, uh, so you know, apart from the drums, he's doing all of this himself. And that's mad to me. Like, we didn't see this for for 15 years. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it's all starting to come to the fore that he's not just a great vocalist. He is a fucking phenomenal musician, mm-hmm. a phenomenal, dexterous musician. I, I love this record because it's just, it's basically, a, I think me and Greg probably have very, very similar tastes in music. But one of us can make that music and one of us can just listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm all right with that. I'm happy to listen to it. Um, so, yeah, Greg Puchato, mm-hmm. Child Soldier, Creator of Gods, is my number 13.
1: Brilliant pick. Um, my number 13 is a debut album from the British alt rockers Foxjaw. A, uh, ah, good. A brilliant album uh, and a band who could easily stake their claim in the enemy or just as comfortably as they could in metal hammer i think a very distinct idiosyncratic amalgamation of alt-rock quirkiness uh, and all of this on their debut album i mean when we talk about bands with identities i think Fox are another one who have a very clear sense of identity on their first record just like clit trip do um yeah i agree for the recording of Royal Swan, their full-length debut, Foxjaw escaped the usual trappings of suburban life and retreated to the beautiful countryside of Aberystwyth, Wales, to record the album, inspired in part by the secluded recording sessions that infused Led Zeppelin's 1970 album, Three. Uh, Foxjaw sequestered themselves on the rolling hills and quiet serenity of Aberystwyth with the hope that such tranquil surroundings would inspire the recording as much as a Bron a probably not how you pronounce it cottage infused (laughs) the music on zeppelins three uh the cottage was called devil's bridge (laughs) which is quite apt and they would trail wires all around the house setting up a quaint and individualistic habitation space slash recording studio in which they could collectively percolate their creative juices and create something that captured an essence of their secluded surroundings and there's been a lot of brilliant albums that have tried to do that capture the essence of the recording studio itself. Um, And Devil's Bridge Cottage leaves its mark on the record brilliantly, fostering Foxjaw's claustrophobic recording experience and physically shaping the sound, with each band member recording in separate rooms. And some of the guitars were even recorded in an airing cupboard. You know, they just basically booked out this cottage, didn't tell the holidaymakers what they were going to do and booked it out for a month and recorded an album there, which is just brilliant, brilliant creativity from such a young band. Um, musically, Royal Swan is a composite of Queens of the Stone Age, Biffy Clyro, System of a Down, Arctic Monkeys and Deftones. Um, whilst evoking those influences, they've also managed to create their own individual sound, which is unique to the four creative individuals individuals that provide such a vital and necessary part to Fox Jaws's fragile chemistry and composition um trophies in the attic the first song proper spends a minute sounding like it'd be quite comfortable with the enemy brigade before a massive heavy chorus comes in and absolutely obliterates everything that's come before it there's a lot of early biffy Clyro style experimentation in the band's song structures and it's great to hear a young band doing that so effortlessly on their first full-length attempt Um, I think the key thing with Royal Swan is you listen to it. I mean, I've been listening to it for several months now and I still feel like I don't really know what's going to come next. What am I going to hear next from this band? Some bands, particularly early on in their career, can't really be trusted to do the best thing next. But Foxjaw are pretty good at writing parts that once you hear them, sound like the definitive part to that song. Um, They dexterously balance between the digestible and the frankly insane without ever straying too far from an earworm melody to string to all their crazy ideas together. I wrote in my notes that Don't Drink a Unicorn's blood manages to evoke both the Blood Brothers and Cirque du Soleil at the same time. Um, A band that can marry those two things together and not sound utterly ridiculous whilst doing so is a pretty special band as far as I'm concerned. I think there are comparisons to be made. We've just recorded the classic albums for System of a Down, but System of a Down, they managed to make the wacky not sound irritating, I suppose, or the quirky or the um, just just the odd but they managed to do it in a way which feels naturalistic and doesn't feel like wacky and irritating and in your face. And um, hey, and the fact that they've managed to do all this on their debut album makes me pretty fucking excited for the future of Fox
0: Yeah. It's a really good record that it was in my, um, my sort of long list, my top 40 really, really great. And I think that that thing where they can switch on a fucking dime between mm-hmm. indie and being really heavy uh, oh. is, is a, is cool yeah i think that's cool i know some people have been like well it's not heavy enough but fuck that i like oh, the fact that like, they
1: when it gets heavy it's so heavy i just no, it makes I it feel heavier when those yeah.
0: kind of clean you know jaunty bits are there i think it exactly. just makes the heavy bits sound heavier yeah great album really really good album that uh my number 12 <laughs> the opposite from a debut album by a british band the 16th album by a British institution. Napalm Death uh, throws in the jaws of defeatism. I don't want to wait five more fucking years for a Napalm Death album. That's the longest wait we had to wait between Apex, Predator, Easy Meat and uh, throws in the jaws of defeatism, which is quite a mouthful. Um, Because every fucking Napalm Death record is amazing. Always. They are comfortably, in this day and age, is there anyone more consistent napalm death more consistently brilliant in metal i i can't think of them if they are there's not anyone i mean you know obviously like i just said there's a big old gap there but some bands wait longer than five years and you get a an all right album 16 records in 16 records in and they're putting out an album like this which still to me just rubs the, the 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 noses of anyone who is trying to get close to them in shit i mean <laughs> there's not a lot of super heavy stuff super duper heavy stuff in my list there's a fair bit uh there's a bit here and there but i just think you just the napalm death and i mean i think the pig destroyer ep that we spoke about this year was would be another good example of you know why those bands are so revered um uh and our was a a, a very good album as well. And again, I think they're a a unique band doing this kind of thing. But Napalm Death, they just managed to write better songs than everyone else. There is something about extreme metal where, I mean, particularly nowadays, I feel like if you're going to be super intense, please try and write a song as well. Because if Napalm Death can write a song like backlash just because which is actually catchy and actually feels like a song it's not just a random collection of noise yet it's still more intense than what you're doing yeah. it's still heavier. it's still heavier than what you're doing contagion is like we you know songs like zero gravitas chamber and contagion which are weird odd, odd slimy they they fit more towards the i mean not quite like a Randy pazuzu but they have that kind of experimental, doomy, avant-garde edge from Napalm's influences from stuff like Swans and Sonic Youth, which you think they still continue to experiment and to try new things and to adapt without ever losing any semblance of that intensity at any point. A song like Immoral, where they go full-blown killing joke. I mean, when I heard that, I was like, this is a beautiful thing. This is an amazing thing that this band, this kind of institution that have been, you know, still characterised as, oh, that band with the short songs. (laughs) Mm. It is fucking infuriating to talk to people about Napalm Death and they just go, oh, that band who just do the shouty short songs. Bollocks. That is not what Napalm Death are. That's not what Napalm Death have been for 30 fucking years plus, more than 30 years at this point. Get over it. It, that, That is not what they are. They are still the most creative unique good songwriters in extreme music full fucking stop this record is fucking brilliant absolutely brilliant and you know what in three years two years three years four years when we get another napalm death record that'll be great as well and we'll be going oh how are they still doing these great because they just they just are they're just napalm death and they'll find some way to just blow your tits off every single time this record's incredible it's incredible
1: i couldn't agree more but i'm staying very quiet uh, to <laughs> okay, be okay
0: good to be discussed next i'm week. glad
1: i wanted there to be a really big response to venart's previous album to cure a blizzard upon a plastic sea because it was the first album by the masterful mike venart that we ever got a chance to review on this podcast And to be honest, as much as I love that album, it's a difficult one to like. Uh, It's an album with a dizzying blur of ideas, an album of twisted knots and unexpected left turns, which I think only makes any kind of sense if you're already familiar with the man's previous work. But this time around, he seems more confident in showcasing his chosen stylings in their own space. I'm, of course, talking about In the Dead Dead Wood, the third album from Venart. Art, um, "To Cure a Plastic," uh, "To Cure a Blizzard Upon a Plastic Sea" was a beautiful mess, but only when shown in the right light. Every idea on the Dead Dead Wood, it's put it in its rightful place, and the album feels like less of a puzzle to be entangled uh, by the listener. As a result. <clears throat> It has an instantaneous quality to it, which makes it a much less alienating experience than his fans are used to, I think. And it's really awesome to see the reaction to this record. I was so delighted when you told me you liked this album, Steve. I can't even tell you. And the reaction to it seems to indicate that plenty of other people are digging the work of Mike Vernard for the very first time with this album as well. Alternative sounds, metal scope, mathy intensity and psychedelic bursts of colour are moulded into something mature and masterful, dripping with melody and gut-punch heaviosity. And I think he's managed to write these massive songs which have huge huge hooks to them without compromising on the progressive bombast he so brilliantly evokes. If you listen to the guitar tone on opening song Silhouette, it sounds like it could shred your speakers to pieces. And yet the song itself is so massive. It's so gloriously warm and fuzzy. This incredible wall of noise, which is just impossible not to be seduced by. Um, Elemental is a really beautiful track which showcases the piano as it's made instrument played brilliantly by Charlie Barnes, who really elevates that track. I would strongly recommend that people check out Charlie Barnes' solo work as well because it's absolutely brilliant. Um, and then Venart's fuzzy guitar comes in and just sounds massive. The chorus may be one, of, may well be one of the most beautiful and catchy that Mike's ever written, albeit it's riding in on this wall of heavy guitar fuzz. The tones are colossal on this album, and yet the hooks are rapturous. Um, weight in Gold sounds absolutely huge waves and waves of guitar cascade over a high-pitched vocal of we're going straight to hell that sounds like it disappears into an endless cataclysmic void of despair lovely stuff um fork in the road as you've already pointed out is the absolute masterpiece of this album nine and a half minutes the distant guitars emerge from this slow, disjointed drum pattern, which is coloured with distinctive piano flavours, again from Charlie Barnes. There's a sed- very sedate liftoff. The lightness that carries through that airy vocal is such an understated, fragile vocal-, vocal performance from Mike on this song. And then the guitars built to an almighty crescendo, um, this album has been mixed in such a way that the quiet bits are meant to sound very very quiet and the loud bits are really meant to be very loud and this track is easily the best at showing this off I think the dynamics in the song would put Mogwai to shame who are the kings of dynamics there's just as much power here as in the thunderous early tracks but the buzzing guitars that slowly appear and roll beautifully massive and in, intensely melodic as the pace doesn't waver at all measured power with the piano line flowing beneath them this Menacing darkness, which gives way to the sunshiny, trebly picked bass. <laughs> it's one of the best songs of the year by a country mile. Fork in the road is simply jaw dropping
0: it's brilliant, yeah, yeah, so brilliant
1: um in the Dead Dead Wood might be venart's most accessible record yet uh certainly in a solo work it's a reassertion of his talents that leaves no doubt of their mileage whatsoever it's also his best solo record and probably the best thing he's put to his name since ocean size released their third album frames in 2007 i would say that is big words coming from me because i love ocean size
0: yes you do Mm. he's also from both of our lists ousted his uh bosses at biffy Clyro, who released a fucking brilliant record this year mm-hmm. uh, that everyone seems to have loved mm. and yet i think it's it wouldn't be accurate to say that those two records are the same Not but they're broadly similarly in somehow related in the same genre somehow i think
1: mm-hmm. yep i agree Odd,
0: odd rock, odd rock bands. Yeah, who are doing odd, unique, idiosyncratic things. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you ask me to take one over the other, uh, I—it's uh, a very short conversation mm. and a very short weighing up of like. And I think that Biffy album is fucking great. And we're talking about Biffy Clyro, yeah. who are one of the best bands that this country has produced in fucking God knows how long. Yeah. so yeah well done i mean he's won me over that's for sure
1: yeah brilliant I'm not sorry. that that's like
0: some sort of do you know what i mean like well, congratulations you've won me over <laughs> <laughs> your career is now of of some value what an arrogant prick i am
1: as a very snide horrible. very snide email to send to mike i should never give you <laughs> his email address <laughs> that's not what i meant
0: um, all right, it's my last one of this week's show, my number 11. I'm actually kind of surprised that this album is here. But then also, when I listen to it, I go, well, what, what? I shouldn't be surprised at all. Because, hey, Renfri, I like My Sugar, and I like Duran Duran, right? Mm-hmm. So I like both those things loads. But the idea of those two things kind of coming together... What a funny little idea that is. And yet, Aiming for Enrique, <laughs> Music for Working Out is the weirdest but most brilliant album of fun that I have heard in God knows how long. I've listened to this album. I mean, this is going back. This came out on the 10th of January. Yeah, this so again, a- this would have been one of the first records that we reviewed this year and when i first put it on i was like okay i'm not sure i'm gonna be able to i don't know how much of this because it's quite wacky let's be perfectly honest it's quite a kind of weird and wacky unusual album yep and (laughs) but it's it's got me now it's got the hooks have got me the weirdness have got me. the little kind of weird idiosyncratic stuff this is nine tracks of mathy experimental uh, instrumental post music but made with the kind of maserati lamborghini miami vice baby sham swigging swagger of a 1985
1: yuppie yeah on, this is like on, on paper it's more a bit of me than it is a bit of you i would say isn't it yeah on paper. this
0: is this is Patrick Bateman <laughs> pl- crossed with animals as leaders, right?
1: Fucking <laughs> hell.
0: And I don't know how that works yeah. as a piece of music. I don't <laughs> really, un- I still don't really understand. Do I like it because of the weird, idiosyncratic, odd mathy time signatures and how bizarre it is and how kind of noisy it gets in a song like <laughs> Undead Horse of Thunder and Metal, track seven, which is gets really quite loud and quite abrasive. But yet yeah, at the same time, it's all shot through with this, almost like Darth, that Daft Punk album that came out that everybody loved, mm. you know, with Get Lucky on it, where he, they worked with Nile Rogers and it was just this kind of Scarface disco, like a disco scene in Scarface. <laughs> Absolute, like... Pink blazer, sleeves rolled up, day glow, Saturday Night Fever, Mm -hmm. coked up mad yuppie twats like that, but mixed with arty post-rock like, what the fuck is this? Mm. What is this? But I tell you what, man, it done not half make me smile, this record. Mm. I love it. I love it. I love how weird it is. It is weird. It is just... It's this is a hilarious record. <laughs> it's hilarious. And I mean I was still working in the office in London uh, in my job when and when this came out. And after it came out, and I was like I think I gave it a pretty good review at the time. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. pretty sure I gave it a pretty yeah. good review. But I carried on playing it. And it would be an album that the guys I worked with would go, "Oh, this is pretty good. This is quite catchy." for the first sort of three songs and then go, oh my God, please turn it off. My head's
1: going to explode.
0: <laughs> and the more I felt like my head's head was going to explode, the more I fucking loved it. This is b- a bizarre record. I yeah. Really, really, I mean, again, I mentioned that Maserati record, which I don't think is as good because it's probably not quite as well. And that's got a kind of Phil collins in excess sort of vibe to it. And that's really, really good. But this, for sheer, just like, you know, Pop in candy, math rock, c- cross with fucking cross with the eighties. <laughs> like it. It's Dennis. It's Joan Collins in Dennis. It's Who Shot Jr. <laughs> mixed with so I so and so I watch you from afar. <laughs> who
1: shot Jr. Mixed with And so I watch you from afar. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and
0: and I I fucking <laughs> absolutely love this record. It's not. I don't think it's particularly deep or do you know what I mean? I don't think there's any other, anything really like, Oh, this is a really important record. It's not, <laughs> it's just a head fuck. It's just a mm. fucking brilliant head fuck. And when you can, when you can fuck with people's heads, but still sound like Jaran Duran. Yeah, man, you've got my vote all day long. Uh, this is a brilliant, this is so brilliant. This record.
1: I love the fact that you love this record as much as you do um i i like this album a lot but um you know as i said on paper people would assume that this would be more my cup of tea than yours certainly they play you know the likes of arc tangent and play all the tiny like math rock bill all days that i like to go to and sit in the corner with a pint and scowl at people uh in seven eight and um (laughs) Um, you know, I've seen them a couple of times live and they, they are absolutely monumentous live, like monumentous live band. And I'm
0: really gutted I've not been able to see them this year because I yeah. would absolutely go and see them. Like, Don't Hassle the Hoff is one of the You know, they're <laughs> obviously not like there's nothing. Hard Dance brainier. like some of the fucking, the, there's a song on it called Spice Girls, just ends the record. <laughs> and it's six minutes long and it's fucking mental. it's just fucking weird as fuck um and but truly bass heavy like you can dance to it but you will have a but you will have a seizure
1: (laughs) well if that sounds like your cup of tea um it's really great man it's really good yeah it's a really really good record um i'm wondering if this one's gonna get into yours or not um my number 11 and my final pick for this week Uh, things were really against Crippled Black Phoenix when we came to review their new album, Ellen Gust. Oh, yeah. It's not not in mine, by the way. Sorry. They had been on our album's review list for a while, but I was hesitant to review it after seeing the way that they handled an unruly crowd at a show. Bring this up again, (laughs) for God's sake. Well, it left a bit of a bad taste in my mouth and... um, you know, it was a busy period and I was happy enough to sack off Crippled Black Phoenix for that reason alone. And the reason I'm retelling it is because sometimes people sack off bands for bloody stupid reasons. Uh, and I feel like a bloody idiot for doing so. So more for me. Uh, the brilliant Jonathan Seltzer, reviews editor for Metal Hammer magazine, gave you the heads up on this, I believe. Um, he did. And I think he said to you, have you heard that new Crippled Black Phoenix album? I think you were aware that it was on the list, but we hadn't got around to it. Um. so we reviewed it and I've listened to it pretty constantly since we reviewed it at least two or three times a week this record um, I just cannot get enough of this album despite its gloomy gothic textures this album upl- uplifts me like possibly no other album this year weirdly i think that this album might even have the same effect on me as aiming for enrique has on you which is a little bit weird because this is a weird gothy album i mean Garl Mm. does narration on this record (laughs) you wouldn't think this is an uplifting album at all but i just fucking love it um you can't dance to this uh you you can dance to it not in the same way that you can dance to aiming for enrique but you can dance to this yeah, yeah you got a very
0: different idea i mean you got a very different idea of dancing I think. <laughs> um this album what, what you just did was just move your shoulders a bit <laughs>
1: That's all I can do. Um, <laughs> this album kind of started in not very great circumstances on the day tracking started, Cripple Black Phoenix, mm-hmm. uh, suddenly and unexpectedly found themselves without a male lead vocalist and keyboardist, um, whereas events of a similar thread would spell doom for most bands. Justin Greaves, whose band this is, took it as an opportunity to tap into his deep network of musician friends. Before he knew it, several prominent guest vocalists were secured, ready and able to lend their considerable pa- considerable talents to ellen gust anathema's vincent kavanagh Girl's weird christian Girl, espadal coliseum slash photo crime slash one time crippled black phoenix touring bassist ryan patterson up and coming uk solo artist susie stapleton and tribulations jonathan halton Elegangast is a triumph of defiance in the face of adversity because having all those vocalists on one album should not work. It should sound like a fucking mess, to be honest. But despite having all these different voices on it, this record is really, really cohesive throughout. um It starts with a lone trumpet before going utterly bat- batshit mental. Um, the opening pair of House of Fools and lead single Lost, uh, which features Vincent Kavanaugh of Anathema alongside Belinda Cordick. Um, and the two make an exceptional vocal pair, aided and abetted by Henley Stanley on the trumpet, as well as some tastefully sampled audio. This album makes a really powerful first impression, but it's nothing compared to what comes later on you were a massive fan of the invisible past the 11 minute long yeah. epic that mm. sort of closes this album um that is a brilliant a brilliant song and i love it even more than i did when we first came around to reviewing it but i cannot stop singing cry of love it is such a good song the fourth track on this record it's probably the cheesiest thing that i've liked all year Um, You can gallop to this song, Um, which I don't think the gallop is seen as a particularly cool move on the dance floor. But if this came on, I'd be a galloping. Um, I just love it. It's reminiscent of like Paradise Lost at their absolute best. It has two massive choruses. And like for me, I don't think I'm normally into these sorts of songs, but I don't know what it is about it. I just cannot stop listening to it. It might be my most listened to song of the year. <laughs> I fucking love wow. it. I just love it. It just makes me happy. It just fills me with joy. I absolutely love it. Um, but then kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, but a song which I think is just as evocative and brilliant is the invisible past the massive epic that Jonathan Holton of tribulation takes lead vocals on the longest saddest and most delicate song on the album which i also find really uplifting because really i'm a big fat goth um this is just a brilliant brilliant record which has made me really leap into Cripple black phoenix's back catalogue as well and there are a lot of hidden treasures to be discovered in their back catalogue i've listened to three or four of their records now and all of them are of an extraordinarily high standard um and yeah what a silly thing to dismiss a band on but hey we all do it um but we yeah do it. hence why i brought it up i'm i'm blaming myself i'm not having mm. a go at them again no um, no no hey look
0: mate we all dislike bands for some well there's always a band or two that someone sort of has a funny reason for not liking yeah. them yeah, but yeah that's yeah. maybe not to do with the music
1: yeah like. but i feel like an idiot because this mm. album is fucking great and as, as i say i cannot stop playing it i just can't i love it
0: good well there you go those were numbers 20 to eleven so next week we'll be getting the you know nightwish uh <laughs> <and> shikari um <laughs> all of that all of that stuff will be next week um well I was trying to think of what other really bad albums are going I shouldn't pick on nightwish green day yeah <laughs> yeah agree but we will do we next week we will do our um we're gonna do like the kind of the most disappointing rather than the worst I think because i can't be I'm not really disappointed in night wish or enter shikari because of i knew they were shit so i'm not gonna be i was actually if anything i was happy to that my opinion was confounded <laughs> so you know and tune uh, in
1: again next week to see if the teal album gets to number one in steve's albums of the year list again for the second row second year in a row yeah
0: could happen. Um, <laughs> it couldn't because it didn't come out this year, which is one of the main, which is the main stumbling block for but the Steel album. But when an
1: album's that good, is it? Is it worth, <laughs> yeah. is it worth just putting a it year
0: destroying, on it? Destroying time. Anyway, um, thanks very much. Thanks very much for listening. As I said, next week we'll be back 10 to 1. We'll be going through all of those records. And I have to say that top 10, I'm looking at my top 10 now and it's fucking really good. Like, it's very, 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 very strong indeed.
1: Yeah.
0: So, there you go. Uh, thanks very much, to our friends at Signature Brew. Go to signaturebrew.co.uk and get 10% off all of your purchases. Buy yourself a pub. Go on, treat yourself to a pub, you idiot. It's um, 10% off when you put the code RiotAct into the checkout in small capitals. And go over to patreon.com forward slash podcast and treat yourself to a classic album special for £5 a month. You get a couple of them and we will be back next week. We'll see you later. Cheers. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.